This is the Movie Hall of Fame end of 2020 edition. The Thursday, December 31st, 2020. Here it is, Adam Hall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's always a fun one. The best. The best. Really? Yeah, just to <laughs> tear each other apart. <laughs> we have some history. Uh, I mean, look, every podcast we do always has an element of contention, I would say. I would say, yeah, usually. It's, it's part it's, of our charm, I think. It's rare that we have one where we're just like, you know what? Did we agree on all of that yeah yeah we did yeah what are the odds that like we would have two top 10 lists at the end of the year that line up identically well it's it is physically impossible 100 percent. the the chances of that but not only do you have to align on 10 movies but you also have to have like identical feelings on almost all those movies and you and i our tastes are usually very different too far apart yeah we're just we're we're two edges of a a train track just forever (laughs) running parallel so for those listening uh, expect um i mean there's going to be a tremendous amount of hyperbole in this don't get me wrong <laughs> always i mean a ridiculous <laughs> amount because that you know that's the fun of this and of i'm gonna have fun with I, I okay spoiler i have actually seen some of nico's uh, uh top tens i have not seen any of yours so this will be interesting <laughs> and i am so tempted to read my bottom 11 for you because i always do my top 11 yes so I, oh you you've expanded again to 11 of course i have i thought this year might be an exception no. because it was a little thinner of a field no, no of course not okay yeah, I'm very. I'm so tempted to read my bottom eleven. All right, well, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there because you're gonna hate me very, very much. <laughs> I've not seen your list okay. uh, because you warned me to stay away. Um, every time I've seen you review a film on Letterboxd, I scroll right past it. I see. Oh, yeah. So, th- well, I, no, I don't normally do that, but this week I did that because you warned me to avoid your opinions on things. Okay. So okay. Good. 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 I've good. avoided your opinions on everything. I. I saw a few of the movies that you watched. I haven't been on Letterboxd in like a couple days, so I haven't seen everything that you've watched, mm-hmm. um, but I have no idea where you fall on <laughs> on these movies because you've been crushing movies over the past two weeks. Do you, would you like me to go through what I have done in, in, to myself <laughs> these past couple weeks? How many movies have you watched? All right, because yeah, we haven't talked uh, much in a couple weeks. You know of a couple movies I've seen? Uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, I don't think you know everything, and uh, I, don't, I guess you don't know the extent of it all. Do you want to mention a couple movies that you watched that did not make your top ten? Um, Should we do that now? Oh boy, okay. Well, um, I guess Red, White, and Blue, the, the, the small axe, the third small axe, did not make my top ten, although I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I, I realized that Steve McQueen screened the first three small axes before they premiered on Amazon. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah they debuted at like uh, New York or Tribeca or something. One of those film festivals. Yeah. Probably New York. Yeah. yeah maybe either, which also leads me to say, um, uh, Alex Weedle and education did not make it on my top 10. Were those the two weakest of the five in your opinion? Uh, I, I, I haven't seen them yet. I think saying education is the weakest, weakest is a little unfair, but, um, Alex Wheel was by far the weakest. I didn't, I, I, I'm not terribly fond of that. It, it was okay. Okay. Um, promising young woman did not make my top 10. Saw it in a theater. I hear. And I saw it in a theater. Can you believe that? Yeah. yeah. Last movie to see in a theater in 20, I, I, I'm fine with it. Carrie Mulligan. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, really good. Um, I gotta see it. Uh, you can't no, rent it yet, right? No, no. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could probably. No, maybe not. 
maybe not. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, it was really good, and I, I, I recommend it, even though it's got some issues. But yeah, a lot of fun. Uh, my Rainey's Black Bottom mm. did, did not make my top ten. Did not make mine either. But I liked it. I liked it too. I liked it. Yeah. That movie is um, is a play on screen, mm-hmm. much like Fences, which was also produced by Denzel Washington and also starred Viola Davis. But uh, I'm cool with it. I don't know. I thought Chadwick Boseman was incredible. Chadwick Boseman was incredible, but this wasn't a movie, man. Yeah, very. It's not, it's not a movie. <laughs> no, not it's, really. I, I, you'd, <laughs> I mean, I'd be caught dead if you'd heard me calling this a movie. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think it's more of a movie than Fences was. No, I disagree completely. You do? I, I actually wrote that in my review. I was like, I got nothing out of this in, as far as a cinematic experience was concerned. And did you feel that way with Fences? No, I actually felt very much the opposite with Fences. I actually felt like I saw a cinematic film. <laughs> really? <laughs> by comparison. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because when I saw Fences, that was the first time I can remember remember where a a, a a theatrical adaptation on screen really bothered me oh and i get that too. like the lack yeah. of score just the lack of locations it felt very stagey that backyard mm-hmm. felt like you were in a broadway theater just looking at a at a at a set you weren't actually looking at a yeah. real backyard it, I, I was a little more taken by it in in uh ma rainey because uh man is 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 this so playy and right. stagey does that i mean i've never seen a movie that like stuck to the the dialogue being so focused on like the the, the attitude and nature of a play uh-huh. where every single line is just met with resistance by another character right. constantly juggling that back and forth where like very very little happens in the movie because everyone's constantly constantly arguing with each other sure. and that is so theatrical yeah. <laughs> to the point where it was starting to give me anxiety but it was it was a fine movie uh-huh. I, I enjoyed it um there's another movie that did not make my uh top 10 but i'm not going to talk about that yet okay because uh, it made mine yep okay uh black bear did not make my top 10 did not make mine either yep came close interesting movie yeah and uh yeah i have some good feelings on it, and i i came out saying like it's a it's maybe a little too clever for its own good. Um, it's a side A, side B movie. Yep, yep. Well, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely is. Uh, uh, what, how you feel about side A and side B and the, the, how literal they are is totally up to you. Sure. I basically said it's a little more fun to think about than to watch, I think. I think that's smart, yeah. Yeah. I think that's an accurate way of describing it. I thought Aubrey Plaza. Audrey, Audrey or Aubrey? Aubrey. Oh. Aubrey Plaza. One of my favorites. I fucking love Aubrey Plaza. She won't be in the Oscar conversation because the movie is just too weird, but she's incredible in this movie. One of the better female performances of the year. Yeah, I think your your mileage is going to vary based on if you liked the first half or the second half better. I definitely thought the second half was stronger. Yeah, I agree. And I wonder if part of that was intentional. I don't want to spoil anything. It's a very easy movie to spoil, but that first half is very trite. And the dialogue between those characters is just so run of the mill and like bullshit dorm room philosophy. And I I understand what the the writer was going for there. Um, Both the fictional and the real screenwriter was going for there. But I was just kind of bored by that first half. Maybe you're wondering, though, if that's the point. Yes. There's there was a bit of me that's like, yeah, maybe that's what they were going for. I don't know. It's hard to talk about non-spoilery. Yeah. I, I, I think as it stands though, I mean there's a way to do that that's a little more engaging. You yeah. know, so th- that might be my only criticism. I'm like, you don't need to be this, you know, trite with it. Yeah. You know, or this obvious. You know, I've seen this this particular short story a thousand times before. Sure. In in college and maybe even done better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but no, good. It's good yeah, movie. Yeah. Yeah, good I, I very much recommend it. First cow. Didn't make I saw it. Didn't make mine either. Yeah. 
Yeah. I feel stupid for not liking it as much as so many people online like it. My feelings were first half is unconscionably boring. Yeah. Uh, it's tedious. Second half I described as an oddly satisfying minimalist joy. Yeah. There's something vibey about it. There's something so like like soothing and sweet about it as well that you sort of like get into the rhythm of the film and once you sink into it, it feels like you're being massaged. (laughs) Yeah. That's how I felt about the second half anyway. Uh, And I came out, yeah, really enjoying it. Although, yes, it didn't quite make my top 10. Really cool capitalist allegory in that second half. Um, I thought, uh, you know, just very smart and clever in its plot machinations. The two leads are incredible in the movie and their friendship really carries it through. And that ending, I do think, is the best ending of the year for me. Oh, like, interesting. That line that one character says to another as they're laying there in the forest is just so touching and so moving and really encapsulates the film in a beautiful way. I, yeah. I thought the ending was amazing. Now, I, I think I also said at the time, I watched this movie when the power was out in our homes for three days because Connecticut had got hit by a <laughs> tropical storm. Yep. And uh, it was hot and sweaty, and I was under candlelight in my boxers laying in my bed watching this on my laptop as it was slowly running out of battery. Uh, so my experience watching First Cow was not necessarily the ideal experience, but I, I wasn't as compelled by it as maybe you were, but um, the the movie finds you eventually is kind of how I, I, I put it. And that ending is really great. Yeah. I, I, I love that ending. Uh-huh. Um, but do you want me to go over everything that I've seen just to like list them? Because I No, not if they're going to show up on your list well let me count hold on i've seen one two okay one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve thirteen fourteen fifteen sixteen seventeen eighteen nineteen movies i watched nineteen <laughs> movies to <laughs> since we last talked wow <laughs> night crammed in 19 movies yeah I, well uh, <laughs> you know that that is the nature of making a top 10 list holy shit <laughs> it is uh it is a draining exercise i am beat we've been doing this for a while you and i i've been doing this since high school yeah since senior year of high school i've been listing the movies i've seen in a particular year and so top 10s are no stranger to me mm-hmm. this year i think we went into it and we expected it to be a little difficult it was a crazy year for not only pop culture, but the world yep. theaters were shut down. Movies were pushed to the following year and streaming services just dominated. I'm looking at my list now. One, two, three, four. Let's see. Four movies were Netflix releases. Two of them were Amazon releases. One of them was an HBO release. Yep. One of them was an Apple TV release. I think there's only one. One is a Disney release. Only one on here is a like, quote unquote, traditional like rollout non-streaming release. Although I saw that at home on demand. Um, So, you know, needless to say, streaming services have taken over the industry. Um, The way that we consume movies is different. and, And that also means the types of movies that we see from the comfort of our own homes is different. Uh, yeah, because even though, I mean, yeah, obviously I like the movies in my top 10, I still think the mileage varies and I still think a good majority of them on any other list aren't even in the conversation. Yeah, I agree. I don't think there was a great movie this year. I don't think there was a five star. No, not a five star. Like, is there a movie as good as a star is born this year for me? Oh yeah. 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 Oh, you thought so. In my top 
five, I would say. Like, I'm just thinking a regular run-of-the-mill year. Like, is this, I, I don't think there's a movie as good as Uncut Gems this year. No, probably not Uncut. Definitely not Parasite. There's not a movie. Yeah, not as a movie as good as Parasite. No. Not a movie as good as maybe 12 not. Years a Slave, you know? No, maybe not as good as The Lighthouse. No. No. Probably not. I mean, for me, not Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like, I, there's no movie on this list that I would say is a five-star instant classic. Maybe over time we'll get there. It's so weird. Like, this is one of the strangest top tens I've ever had. Yeah. And just the, 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 the types of movies that we ended up getting are just, they're not, they don't jump out to you as instant classics either. Yeah. So that's part of the issue. Like, there's, there's an element of me that looks at some of the films from, you know, 2017 to 2019, where it's like I could pick out a few classics in there. Right. You know, um, there hasn't been one year where that wasn't the case, honestly. No. Um, but this year for me, yeah, I, I look at the list. I'm like, Jesus, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I'm not entirely sure any one of these could get there. Maybe it, to the right circuits, depending on its legacy, The Vast of Night could have a classic cult appeal. Yeah, I guess. But that's the, but that's the best you're going to get. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And that is not super high on my list either. Um, look, it's kind of freeing. As as difficult as this year has been and as uh, as sort of thin a, a selection of, of movies that we've had to choose from, it is kind of freeing to be able to just throw 10 movies that you like and you're not no. beholden to whatever the Oscars say, whatever the other critics top 10 lists say. You can just throw on weird shit and no one's going to judge you for it this year. Yeah. As opposed to last year where there were five movies that were on everybody's top ten list. Our overlap last year was incredible. Like It, it just oh, felt yeah. like we were going back and forth talking about the movies that were nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. Um, this year is not the case. Uh, if I were to guess, you've seen the list, so I don't know. If I were to guess, I would say we have maybe four movies overlapping. Oh, like I mean, at, there, at most. Okay, there are movies that we ha- we both have in our top tens, but I'm not sure there's many that legitimately overlap. Like your number three spot is not the same as my number three spot, sure. for example, yeah. or or your one or your two. Okay, yeah. So yeah, I, I think that's sort of an interesting exercise. I also think like there were good movies that came out this year because good movies come out every year, yep. and anyone that is b- bemoaning the death of cinema is once again doing that in vain it's the death of cinema though <laughs> whether you like it or not it okay. is the death of cinema here we go literally it is the death of cinema no it's not yeah it is it'll be fine it'll, cinema will be fine <laughs> uh film will be fine cinema no oh yeah theaters there, there, there's a difference between that yeah sure. um uh yeah I, I still think it was a great movie or by 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 any uh margin it was a fine movie year when you add it all up but not a great one yeah, you know what else is confusing? What? The Oscars are pushed back. To when? They're pushed back to April because of Corona. Okay. And that means the eligibility window for the Oscars is pushed back to late February. February 28th is now the last day that you can screen a movie and it be eligible for Best Picture. Okay. So for the next two months, we're in this weird gray area. I'll give you an example. This movie, uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, yeah. which is that Daniel Kaluuya thing. That was supposed to come out in fall of this year was supposed to be an Oscar contender got pushed back to 2021 because of Corona then got moved back up when Warner Brothers announced they would be releasing all of their movies on HBO Max. That movie's now coming out in late February. That's the first time anyone will see it. It's not going to screen locally. It's not going to screen in New York or L.A. Critics aren't going to get screeners of it. It's going to be a February release, but is going to be eligible for the 2020 Oscars. 
which now makes it very confusing for me. And I know I'm a nerd and I'm no, I'm alone in this, but I am used to the Oscars being the authority on a particular cinematic year. And I think about movies in terms of what year they came out because they competed at the Oscars that particular <laughs> year. All so right. what are we supposed to do with the next two months? Are the next two months 2020 movies? Are they 2021 movies? What's the deal? Uh, I mean, they're. I guess they're both. I don't know how else you'd describe it. I mean, I don't really care about what the Oscars says about it. It bothers me. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't put much validity in the Oscars. It's certainly not as much as you do. To me, it's kind of bullshit. It's not validity. It's just what bookkeeping. Oh, like it's just organ- neat. Or- but yeah, it's organ. <laughs> it's an organizational structure. Oh, I see. Do you know what I mean? You could just say this came out this year. This came out in that year. And who gives a shit what the Oscars say? I guess that's what we're gonna have to do, right? Because we don't even know if those movies are gonna win Best Picture. Yeah, it's it's tough, you know. It's unless tough. they're really going to push for Nomadland. Like, is, but here's the thing: is Nomadland a 2020 movie? And Screened at festivals, is going to compete in this Oscars, but it's not going to go wide until February. Well, this comes back to what we have argued about in the past, where it's like, you know, if it's considered, you know, a 2020 movie by the filmmakers and to to those who saw it first, you know, where did it screen first? That should technically be the year it came out, I guess. I don't know, but your, your, your definition is like when it goes wide, it's the year it comes out. That has generally been my definition. Yes. But But now it's being tested and I don't like it. I don't know. I don't like it. I don't care when, I mean, first cow is widely considered a 2019 movie. Yeah. It hit the festivals in 2019, right? Yeah. Yeah. But didn't go wide until the spring. Yeah. But by once you finish the, the movie and you see like the copyright, it says see, you know, 2019. So that is like officially making it a 2019 movie. But it's getting very messy. And we're allowing TV episodes, apparently, on the list. It's all very messy. Yeah. It's all very Cer- confusing. I mean, certain TV episodes. <laughs> the line is blurring. Yeah, I know. But here we go. Yeah. It's not, it's not the mo- as fun as it sounds, though, guys. <laughs> I don't like to be so confused about these things. No, I, it, it has sent me into a panic, let me tell you. I, 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 I freaked out. When the Oscars said they were moving their eligibility window two months, I freaked the fuck out. It's just so messy, and it's hard to keep track of. And uh, Yeah, it's, it, I, I don't want to have to worry about movies this much, but, but I guess I am. Yeah. It's, the, it's the, the bed that we made. Now we lay in it. Here we go, Adam. All right. You want to start? Because you have 11, right? I do. I have to start. Okay. 11. Number 11 for you. David Byrne's American Utopia. Okay. Number 11. Pretty low for you. Yep. <laughs> yeah, there were 10 other movies that I liked more. Wow. And right beneath that is Defy Bloods. Okay. Number 12, Defy Bloods. All right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we've... I This is a, one we talked about briefly. I just kind of... Yeah, of course I, I loved it. Yeah. I loved it a lot. I didn't necessarily think about it a tremendous amount after I saw it, so maybe that's why it's so low, but the initial experience was so you know, I guess satisfying for me and just to see them doing what they were doing. Exhilarating. To see Spike Lee just having a blast (laughs) in ways I didn't expect out of a concert movie. It is perfectly orchestrated, but also perfectly flawed. And yeah, I I thought it was a, I guess you could say a welcome return for David Byrne in a lot of ways. Yeah, this is in, uh, this is a filmed version of David Byrne's Broadway show. He was doing the show on Broadway for a couple of years, um, toured the world, I think, with it. It was critically acclaimed on the stage, and so we brought Spike Lee in to film the whole thing. I, I We talked about this when, um, when, when the movie first came out, but I, I think that marriage is so interesting between the two of them. Spike with his sort of like rough around the edges, let's see where the movie takes us approach, 
and David Byrne, who's very rigid, very rehearsed, mm-hmm. very particular in his style and his choreography. Um, I, I just thought it was the best of both worlds in that case. It uh, is not the only Spike Lee movie to make my list this year. Uh, there is one that that appeared higher. David Byrne's American Utopia actually falls at number eight for me okay. on the list. Um, so we're not too far off there. Uh, I love the music. I love the choreography. I, I it was just a it was a a, a lively experience. Mm-hmm. It was just an exhilarating uh, experience that felt like you were actually in the room yep. watching the concert and uh, also had a story to it, as a lot of David Byrne's live yep. performances often do. It's a little preachy. You know, sure. And, and I'm not the first one to comment on that. Sure. Maybe a little too much for its own good. But um, yeah, I, I, I forgot. It might have been Will Sloan made a comment. I don't remember who it was, but they they made a comment about how it, it it's a little more endearing to see David Byrne just out there and st- stop making sense. Just, you know, enjoying life <laughs> for what it is and just celebrating everything yeah. rather than just him sitting you down and lecturing you. It's like and, and I, I don't fully disagree with that. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't take away the power of the actual show, though. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, is is you know, even though I do have a tiny few reservations with it, the the ultimate experience is completely rejuvenating. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's a worthy follow up to stop making sense yeah. in that way, although not as good as stop making sense. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree with you on that. There we go. There we go. Should I go to number ten? Sure. All right. Number ten is a movie. I don't know if you've seen it. Mm-hmm. It's called Sound of Metal. Oh, I've seen it. Oh, you have? Mm-hmm. Does it maybe appear on your list? Yes, it does. Okay, great. Well, we'll get to that then. Uh, Sound of Metal stars Riz Ahmed, who uh, we know from Nightcrawler and Venom. <laughs> Venom. Venom. <laughs> have you seen Venom? No. Yeah, I've seen Venom. <laughs> he's terrible in that. Is he? <laughs> yeah, he's pretty bad. That's a shame. because No, no one's good in that movie, though, okay. so it's not well, his fault. Yeah, I mean, it's also kind of the Tom Hardy show, isn't it? I guess, for better or worse. <laughs> that's a weird Tom Hardy show. <laughs> Riz Ahmed plays a heavy metal drummer who one day goes deaf yep. and has to learn to live with his deafness and he goes to this um not really a rehab center but like a like a home for deaf people to learn how to coexist with one another and support one another i think most of them are addicts as well right yeah it's called like a church essentially okay you know it's meant to kind of coach them back into life darius martyr directs this darius martyr was the screenwriter behind the place beyond the pines which is a movie that frankly i don't care for that much i don't know what you think about it yeah me neither yeah i just don't like it at all um it's not that i don't like it at all but uh it's um i I, i've I've talked to you about this before it's a movie that's asking you to care about way too much way too quickly yeah it never quite gets there and the first half is significantly stronger than the second definitely to the the point where it almost derails the entire film in my opinion it does yeah entirely um this is not the case though with sound of metal sound of metal is a really personal character study with a miraculous performance out of riz ahmed he's Mm -hmm. unbelievable in this um, did you see the night of that HBO miniseries from a few years ago? No, that he stars in him and John Turturro are in it. Um, and, uh, he, he's great. That's the first exposure that I had to Riz Ahmed. And that's when I'm like, Oh, this guy's an absolute star. He definitely has an Oscar worthy performance in him. And this is that Oscar worthy performance. Yep. Um, he's captivating. His relationship with his girlfriend is, uh, 
so fragile but also so oh, beautiful it's and terrifying. heartbreaking oh I yeah love it. yeah it's the scariest thing about the movie it's just wondering whether or not it's gonna work out yeah because you know that <laughs> the tiniest mistake he makes she's just gone and right. she might not even be like out of his life she might actually kill herself yeah <laughs> and seeing how that uh degrades over time that she's kind of separated from him is really heart heartbreaking this movie's f- kind of phenomenal to me yeah it, and, I, and i'm not even kidding it's it's it it was it was yeah, uh, it's the most relatable movie I've seen this year. Yeah, it really does. In that relationship, mm-hmm. span the 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 whole spectrum of like love and hatred and and anger and, and lust also, and also honesty. Just be being yeah. honest about your situation, particularly with that ending, which is one of, which is my favorite ending of incredible of the ending. Year. Yeah, fucking love the ending. Also, just really impactful for me because I have grown up with metal drummers my entire life yeah and i know a lot about their emotions and their struggles and their relationships uh i have made many films (laughs) about metal drummers man (laughs) so uh yeah this movie i'm a little biased but they got everything absolutely 110 percent correct yeah uh even though it's not really about metal drumming at the end of the no very little about it it, it's much more complicated than that that's something that just kind of as a springboard just like deeply affected me but then the further it went and the more of a character study it became, the the more captivating and compelling it was mm. to just the quiet illustration of Riz Ahmed's uh, character. What the heck was his? Uh, Ruben. Ruben. Loved, loved Ruben. And that's the thing is like just this, this guy that is like so like insecure about everything that he is, you know, the only way he can express himself is through these drums. And then it's kind of snatched away from him like that. Oh, man. I, I, I feel like I really got it. Yeah, I I really loved it a lot. I also want to point out that Paul Rossi, I've never seen him before. He plays the head guy at this rehab really center. Really good. Incredible supporting performance. Oh my out of him. god. Incredible. And he's going to get overlooked, but like holy shit. Yes. <laughs> amazing, amazing, amazing in this movie. He's kind of a veteran theater guy. I think, you know, bounced around in small movie parts for a while his parents were deaf. And um I think he's actually a member of a deaf rock group um or a a rock group for deaf people is he actually deaf no no he's not but he grew up learning how to sign and learning how to communicate that way and so there's a lot of authenticity to that performance felt very authentic it it was incredibly yeah the whole thing is authentic and it's ultimately like a movie about having to cope with new circumstances and and um also appreciating with the punches of life yeah and appreciate learning to like love and accept those differences which is not like a novel concept necessarily but like like the care it takes with it yes. is sort of why it was so impactful for me. And the honesty too. Yeah. And yeah. just building to that ending it all for me, there's nothing I love more than when every single piece of a movie feels like it's leading up to just one final moment. Mm-hmm. And Oh my God, is it satisfying? Cool. It's just wrapped up perfectly. It's exactly what I wanted. It's a big, it was actually a big surprise though. Mm-hmm. It was, I, I, I thought it would be good, but I, I didn't think it would be even remotely close to being this good, man. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm thoroughly in love with this movie. All right, number 10 for you. Number 10 for me. Da, 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 is Run. Oh, okay. Run. 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 A movie that has uh, a weak script. Okay. Uh, that, that is... Did not see this, by the way. Okay, that's all right. That is uh, very silly. <laughs> um, that is sort of a high concept, uh, modern day Hitchcockian thriller in its purest uh, form, uh, more or less. Um... 
yeah, it's fucking awesome. <laughs> and I, I don't want to hear anyone say otherwise. If Some people have said otherwise. They don't get it. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm sick of this. You don't fucking get it, guys. <laughs> guys, seriously, this is everything you want out of just like an accessible, dope, like like edge of your seat thriller. I was this was one of the more entertaining films I, I, I have seen the, this year. It actually, um, I mean, for a while, The Invisible Man was on the list for similar reasons, uh-huh. and I acknowledge similar shortcomings, but... A lot of shortcomings yeah, in Invisible Man. Yeah, but there's actually better craft in this and better character work, and the villain of the movie is awesome sarah paulson's performance in this she should only be playing whacked out nut job moms like this for the rest of her life she mostly does i know (laughs) nurse ratchet (laughs) what the fuck uh sounds about right uh but i mean even the the supporting role and i don't know the 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 girl's name but looks uh, like kira allen okay but she was pretty marvelous in the movie and i i Again, like the best thrillers like this have a good grasp on like unveiling the tiniest details to you, which ultimately are big details. And the the, the sparsing of information and the discovery of those things is so captivating and just fun to watch. And the way it builds to the ultimate like, oh, my God, this is what's going on. My life is ruined mm. is just is so much fun. And the at the end of the day, and part of the reason why maybe I, I had a, an issue with people coming down on the film is that there's never a moment where the film is asking you to take it that seriously. It is a very pulpy film. It's a very outrageous film at times. And the twists are fucking nuts. Um but it's well aware of that and it has fun and it's got a lot of comedic uh, beats to it that work pretty well. And there's only like a couple scenes that like completely don't work for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, man, for, for the most part, it's one of the more fun films I, I saw. I, I, I watched it and I was like, you know what? I, I really would have loved to have seen this in a theater, mm. you know, in a way that I didn't feel this. I didn't feel exactly the same way about all the other films on my list. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was longing for this year was just a film to sit down at home and make me feel like I was in the theater. Sure. And I, and like I, a midnight showing of a. Yeah. yeah. And I got that out of just this. a pulpy yeah. horror movie. Yeah. And it's it's it knows when to be light. It also knows when to be really dark and chilling. And um yeah, if you want a good m- remake of Misery, cool. <laughs> watch Run. It's pretty dope. By uh, what's the director's name? Uh, Anesh Chaganti, who did Anish Chaganti. I feel like that's definitely how it's pronounced. Anish Chaganti. Don't fucking ask me for the name if you're going <laughs> to correct me on the pronunciation. Dude. It just the way I say it just sounds better. <laughs> Then know the name, all right? <laughs> know the name before you start taking bows on the pronunciation. I'm going to take another drink of water. Jesus. <laughs> He's the guy behind Searching, which is a movie I really enjoyed from 2018 as well. Yep. Just clever, entertaining, inventive movie. Yep. Um, I am curious to see what this thing looks like. Uh, I won't pass judgment on it before I've seen it. I, you know, I, the, the cinephiles on film Twitter have, uh, have, have been a little rude towards it, I would say. Um, but... Yeah, I I think it's it's definitely worth a peek. It's on Hulu if I if I remember correctly, right? Yeah, yeah. I I, I don't think it's going to blow your your mind personally, uh-huh. but um I would be surprised if you didn't uh, have fun with it. Yeah, I assumed that it wouldn't make my list, so I yeah, um, probably not. I avoided it for the time being, but it's 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 a it's definitely a me movie. And okay. like I, like I said, just a pure Hitchcock film. Okay. And I was I was loving a lot of like Rear Window in there as well, so Cool. You'd enjoy it. Okay. Um Number nine for me is a movie we talked about already called The Vast of Night, Mm -hmm. which was an Amazon release. It's from this guy, uh, Andrew Patterson, who had been making 
video for the Oklahoma City Thunder for like the last five <laughs> or six years. Yep. I think he has like a production company in Oklahoma City and uh, he self-financed this project, premiered at a festival, got sold to Amazon and became this big hit for them for a couple weekends. Very high concept, old school movie in the style of like Super 8. Yep. Aliens are here mm-hmm. and they're appearing on the radio. And what are we going to do about it? <laughs> uh, very War of the Worlds. Very simple, straightforward story. But the craft here is just remarkable. Mm-hmm. Andrew Patterson, I guess, just took over a small town for a couple weeks and put dudes on ATVs just riding around with the camera. Uh, and the stuff that he's able to do, you're just left asking, like, how did he get these shots? Uh-huh. How did he do this? And it's uh, it's just a really invigorating question to ask every time you watch a movie. There are a couple other movies on the list where I felt the same way. Just like, how in the world did you get that shot? And mm-hmm. how does it look as beautiful as it does? Yep. You know, how is this movie not a total mess? It's made for nothing. And that's, yeah. that's the most uh, notable thing about it. Because when you see those shots and you have it in your mind, like... Yeah, they made this for, like, jack shit. Yeah, for, like, under a million dollars. And that's, like, the most impressive shot I've seen this entire year. Yeah. It really is. The the ATV shot when it's going from the radio station all the way to, I, I think, the girl's house? Or the boy's house. Oh, the other radio station. It's to, the high, from, to the high school, too. There's a lot of, yeah, like, jumping around. It goes into the high school, but, but there's, like, these just really interesting, eerie tracking shots yeah. that do this beautiful job at like illustrating that there is a presence there that you can't describe and sure. that you don't know is around you. Yeah, There's this omniscient sort of narrator that's yeah. just hovering through like a ghost. Exactly. Yeah. It is actually pretty scary. Yeah. And I don't know how to describe it. There's just a atmosphere to it and a vibe and the way people talk about the aliens in past. Yeah. Like the guy on the radio, like, Oh, it's chilling. Like this is the kind of movie that gives you goosebumps. A lot of long shots. The dialogue too is actually the underrated part here, but, um, the dialogue is really remarkable. Um, and not in a like existential, like, uh, you know, like a Richard Linklater way, but in like a, just process oriented like these characters are going to talk about interference that they're getting on the radio and they're going to talk about mysterious light that's in the sky and watching this mystery unfold and them just going these two kids uncovering the existence of this ufo step by step by step by step it's just masterful screenwriting uh and that's really the underrated part of this the filmmaking is great and andrew patterson is gonna get some offers for this he's gonna get a marvel movie or he's gonna get a star wars miniseries or he's gonna get something because of this movie um but his his skill as a screenwriter really underrated it's really underrated very classical too like this feels like something that actually would have come out more so in the 50s Mm -hmm. there's an there's an element to like the rhythm of the way that they talk and just the way they say their lines that well, it feels- is a period piece too. Yeah. And it gets yeah. that stuff, right? Yeah. Exactly. It doesn't, it doesn't look like those movies, but it has that similar energy, mm-hmm. which was, uh, actually very refreshing. Oddly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I thought this was the biggest surprise for me this year Yeah, and it sort of represents everything I want out of movies. It's, it's a bit higher for me okay. on my list, but, um, how much higher it is at number six. Okay. Yep, number six. Cool. Yeah, it, like yeah, it just sort of represents like like an element of ingenuity that you you I I hardly ever get out of movies nowadays. Like this felt like like seeing Sam Raimi's Evil Dead, or that maybe yeah. what Quentin Tarantino must have thought when he saw Sam Sam Raimi's Evil Dead. Yeah, where it's just like 
yeah, like I understand the shortcomings of the movie and I understand the lack of resources, but what you pulled off with those things is more admirable than any like $150 million blockbuster. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Um, really an inspirational story for like aspiring filmmakers. Like you can just kick around doing freelance gigs and commercials for a couple of years. And ultimately if you have enough money, you too can do something like this with the right creative spark and the right inspiration. Um, yeah, it's it's just an awesome movie for craftspeople, and it's an awesome movie to understand the craft and yeah. uh, film students take notes. Yep, it's really good. It's all, I, I I almost put it as high as I did on principle. Yeah, more than anything. Right. Yeah, because I just like this. I this is the type of movie that I feel like more people need out of this year, especially. Sure, it gives you a, a semblance of hope. Yeah, awesome. Fast of Night. Yeah, number nine for me. What's number eight for you? Number eight for me is well number nine. Oh right I'm sorry nine. yeah we're tired yeah, yeah. that's where it gets kind of confusing every year you do this i'm sorry i'm so confusing <laughs> all right so jumping ahead to number six uh no um mangrove number nine okay and this is where it gets kind of interesting yeah, yeah it's not a movie but cool how is it not a movie because it was it made premiered, by a television it, network and premiered on a screen before anything else false premiered on bbc before it premiered on is that screen. Well, they, they still did a screening for the movie though did they not yeah it's great it's uh, it's, <laughs> it's sure it's a, it's called a film yeah no yeah. i think like friends on thanksgiving also oh, yeah. put out like the friends thanksgiving episode in theaters oh is that right so i guess yeah sure <laughs> not sure that's true it definitely is definitely is friends the movie <laughs> there is no friends the movie what are you talking my about? point exactly adam <laughs> There have been times where, yeah, they've shown like Friends episodes in movie theaters. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's, yes. I think it's a little more uh, overt in, no, I, in that case. Too. I get it. It's a it's a it's a well-directed two hour thing that you, was on TV. You can't call it and like, guys like you were like, oh, it must be a movie because it's well, cinematic. Well, you can't you means. can't call it a, a movie in the same way that like the VHS movies are movies. Like, what's the difference just because it premiered on Amazon? No, because it it was made for television. It is going. It, it is maybe called a series of films by its director, mm. but the studio behind it considers it a TV show. If you go on Amazon, it is presented as a TV show. It yeah. premieres once a week for five weeks straight, like a traditional television show would. They all are um, musings on a similar theme. They all are connected either spiritually or or via subject matter yeah this is television and it's fine if you want to include it i'm I'm happy for the representation on this list that our list is diverse enough now because you include these as movies but i i disagree fundamentally with your premise yeah i don't know and i complain i don't see what makes it tv <laughs> did i not just list a no you reasons? did you didn't it's they're called movies what do you want <laughs> Who's calling the movies? I think everybody. <laughs> I feel like you're one of the few. You're right. Yeah. And I stand behind it. Also, it's not called Small Axe. And th- this is the, the crux of my argument was that if they were released under the banner of Small Axe, like each movie, mm-hmm. uh, that would have swayed me into saying, okay, yeah, this is television. But they're not. It's each movie is given its own, you know, title cards. It's given its own name and there's no mention of small acts. It's just here is education. Here's red, white, and blue, Alex Weedle, you know, all those things. Here's lovers rock. Here's mangrove. Yeah. Except when you go onto the Amazon menu and it's like episode three of small acts. But again, why does that matter so much to you? It doesn't matter to me at all. (laughs) At the end of the day, it's an, it's their own individual experience. It doesn't feel like television at all. It doesn't 
matter. That, let's be clear. It doesn't matter how well, okay, we categorize okay, it. And okay, that well, line is becoming blurred. But <laughs> I do feel the need to stand up for the television medium in some way. Yep. Because I feel like every time somebody says... It's an eight-hour movie. It's a 10-hour movie. It's very cinematic. Twin Peaks season three is the greatest movie of the century. (laughs) Anytime anyone says this, I'm bothered to no end because it feels like a slight on the medium of television. TV can be great, too. You love your television. I get that. I do. But but this is another instance of you just attacking people. I'm not attacking anyone. I think you were attacking. I'm not attacking. You're showing some bias. I'm attacking you. Well, that's true. You're always attacking me. I'm always attacking you. (laughs) Yeah. I I think it's great. Small Axe made my TV list. That's going to be published on the website in a couple hours. Like, is it allowed on both lists? I think you have to kind of pick a lane. Mm. I think. Listen, I chose to categorize it as TV. Yeah. It is number three on my TV list this year. It's very high. It might be different. Okay, I might take it off my list if they do more seasons. If they did like a season two of Small Axe, yeah. that would probably change things for me. Mm-hmm. But I'm not convinced they're going to do that yet. Okay. Um, And yeah, like reading about the development of this and how Steve McQueen was developing a TV show for like five seconds. Yeah. And then he was like, Mm, no, I'm at least making three movies out of this. That's basically what happened. He was like, no, you can't really like splice this up and do a television show. I want to take the mangrove story, make it into a film and then take lovers rock, make it into a film and then also take red, white and blue and make that into the, uh, a film. And then he sort of forgot about that with the, <laughs> the, the, the latter two. Okay, great. I'm just talking about like if the attitude awesome. behind the filmmaker awesome. is that, like I don't know what to tell you. Okay, uh, so you're saying the last two episodes are they're, they're, TV-esque. They're not. They're still closer to movies in my opinion, but uh, it, it's not even that they. I, I consider them TV or movie. They were just a little bit weaker, even okay. though I did like education. Aha, you know, understood. Yeah, you thought they were weaker, so they're more TV. No, no, I I didn't <laughs> say that, that is what you implied. You're like <laughs> he made three movies and then he forgot about it with the last two. Well, well, because well, my similar criticisms sort of apply to Red, White, and Blue, though. Okay, like very similar criticisms for those three kind of apply to Red, White, and Blue. Okay. So. Cool. No. All right. Whatever. Let's get past this. I love Mangrove. I think it's really good. Yeah, I love it too. I think it's really good. Trial of Chicago 7 did not make my list. Nope. (laughs) As much as I love Sorkin and I love some snappy dialogue, I left it off because I saw Mangrove and I'm like, that's how you make a courtroom drama. Mm -hmm. They're essentially the same movie, except one has a competent director behind the camera and one doesn't. Mm -hmm. And McQueen's cinematic instincts, how he holds on a shot, how he dwells with a character, how he sticks with a moment is it's really unparalleled like the guy understands timing he understands pacing he understands mood and tone better than pretty much anyone working in the business and uh, i'm always clamoring for more steve mcqueen stuff and i thought mangrove was uh, excellent as we said a couple weeks ago particularly in that second half yeah uh uh alex weedle was number 27 on my list okay and education was number 17 okay a right above possessor okay yeah which i loved Cool. All right. No, I did love education. Alex Weedle was the only one where I'm like, okay, no, thank you. All right. I think we talked enough about small acts. What do you think? Well, we're not done talking about small acts. I'm sure we're not, (laughs) but we'll get to it. Yeah, we'll get there. Um, All right. I said my number eight already was David Byrne's American Utopia. So what is number eight for you? Oh God. We're just, it's all about me this year. It is. Yeah, I get it. Always is. It's always about me. Number eight for me is a documentary. Oh, called feels good, man. Okay. Which I loved. Have not seen this either. Oh, boy. You're, you have definitely have not seen number seven. 
<laughs> oh boy, you've definitely not seen fucking number seven. I can't wait to talk about that. Tell me about Feels Good Man. Feels Good Man is essentially more or less about the creation of meme, meme culture. Okay. It's about Pepe the Frog, who has been... A bit divisive, I would say. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> to say the least. And it is about the evolution of that character, uh, what he started as, to his ugly evolution, <laughs> to say the least. Uh-huh. And sort of how it's become this roller coaster of emotion for the most arbitrary reasons imaginable. Yeah. It, it almost recounts the, the the evolution of this character as like a virus. It's the weirdest thing. How it's just, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Just sometimes crazy things happen that you cannot predict and it's going to die horribly or it's going to thrive or maybe both. And that's kind of what happens with Pepe the Frog. Um, it is simultaneously the funniest movie by a mile that I've seen this year. Wow. This movie's fucking hilarious. Wow. Just like the creator, Matt Fury, I think is how you say his name, uh-huh. is the strangest dude, but like so lovable and soft spoken and kind of wise. And you're like, you made Pepe the Frog? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, then, but then it 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 gets into like the the attitudes of internet trolls on sure. 4chan. Yeah. And it instantaneously becomes the most disturbing film I've seen in years. Yeah, I've been on 4chan like twice in my life and um like yeah, it's like going to Auschwitz. <laughs> like I never want to go back. But this like w- it, it just felt like I even though it was virtual and I was on a web page, it just felt like I was in this evil place. The movie interviews like one of the stars like unsung heroes if you even want to fucking call it that of 4chan Uh like one of the guys like in the underground circuit this guy's the man yeah and he's a fucking lunatic loser piece of shit that lives in his mom's basement essentially Uh he's every cliche you could imagine and he's an anarchist essentially who's it's like a proponent of that guy in like my, I forgot where it was, my Miami beach or something who just shot a bunch of people on the street and like posted about it and said like, this guy gets it. Oh Lord. <laughs> and they built a, basically a marketing community around like the attitude of this guy f- for nothing more than the sake of offending people. Oh my. And would throw around racial slurs and, and regardless of the fact that they didn't believe it. They didn't believe it at all, sure. as a matter of fact. They were just trying to get a rise out of people because they felt like society had had bested them and just kind of dug them into the ground. Uh-huh. So 4chan was their means of doing that, of basically giving the finger to people for no reason whatsoever yeah, other than fighting the fact back, yeah. we're mad. And it gets so out of control that they discover Pepe the Frog and use him as the mascot to get Donald Trump into the White House. Sure. <laughs> and that's kind of what it's about. That's what it turns into. And the movie is about like watching this happen in the most sickening way you've ever seen. Like it just makes you question the last four years of your existence. Right. (laughs) The movie made me feel so weird and so bad for so many people, particularly Matt Fury, who made this kid's character. Right. The frog is a kid's character. He's adorable. Yes. (laughs) And coined the phrase feels good, man, because it there's like this comic strip where pepe drops his pants and is peeing and his buddy's like what the hell are you doing and he's like it just feels good man and it's like that's the origins of this and that got co-opted into an alt-right symbol yes it's insane it is 
fucking crazy, and I can't believe you haven't seen it. You would probably love this thing. Yeah, I probably would. It's funny. Several years ago, I think this was in 2015, um, I was at this beach in Rhode Island. It's called Watch Hill. It's like Taylor Swift has a house on it and everything. It's like one of my favorite little getaway locations in, in the area, one of the great little beach towns in, in the Northeast. And uh, at the end of this like cape where the beach is, there's like a military bunker. And uh, this abandoned military bunker had been there since World War II. Um, and it's this awesome, just like run down. It, you have to walk a mile and a half down the sand in order to get there. And there's just grass growing and weeds from all these different crevices and graffiti everywhere. But it's this awesome little artifact that you can't necessarily get at a museum or, you know, at, uh, at some sort of civil war or, or world war two memorial. And, uh, I, I remember back in 2015, just as the Trump thing was starting, this is like before Trumpism even became a thing before MAGA hats Yep. were as as prevalent as they are now i remember seeing a massive pepe the frog <laughs> graffiti art on the the ground of this military bunker and just thinking that it was amusing and then several years later i returned to that same place yeah. under this new context and it's just amazing to me how messages and words and symbols can mean one thing in one era yeah. And in such a short period of time, be co-opted by either nefarious sources or good sources or whatever and completely change, Mm -hmm. you know, and whether that is, you know, like the name of an NFL team or a a, a racial slur, you know, things that were not considered racial slurs at one point, but are now the word retarded, how that has evolved over the years to mean something much more nefarious than it once did. Um, I'm, I'm really fascinated by this idea of language and context. Yeah. And how you know words do not come with their own meaning it's what we put into them but it's going to make you very cynical towards those ideas because the conclusion that it and it arrives to this conclusion pretty quickly is that it just happens yeah. and you can't really fully explain it it's just it comes down to you know someone being either very happy or very mad and they take something and they just run with it it, it basically almost describes like the birth of a fad okay and how you know someone just has an idea and people are like yeah, let's have fun with it and throw it around. Uh-huh. And what it snowballs into eventually just becomes like, I guess the iconic thing that we know as Pepe the Frog now. Mm. Um, but th- just the fact that it's snowballing at all is interesting to me and, and why it was getting thrown around was interesting. And you're, yeah, you're right. The, the, the most fascinating thing about it is that it goes from like one message and then over the course of like a couple of years is just <laughs> literally the other side of the spectrum. Yeah. And man, it was, yeah, kind of, horrible and it like i said it, it it would it would make you cynical towards the idea that like you know i i don't know i came out like like saying like like i really hate memes after it personally sure. it just just the, the concept that they're just this mindless yeah and, and i know yeah there's there's an art form to some of them but like i don't know man Me- uh, messages uh, just give them to the right people i don't know okay. <laughs> i don't know how to it, it's touchy it's okay. very touchy. Cool. But, but it's a good doc, though. Worth very, time. very, very, very good doc. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people rave about this one. So I, I'm kind of surprised you haven't seen it. because I really think you would love it. Yeah, I, I maybe I'll check it out tonight. Maybe it's maybe it'll be worth a, a New Year's Eve watch. OK, I think it's pretty dope. All right. Here we go. Number seven for me. A movie that you dismissed wrongly so. And you will feel great shame for it at some point in your life. It's called I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Oh, Written and directed by Charlie Kaufman, starring Jesse Plemons, Jesse Buckley, Tony Collette, 
and David Thewlis. It's like, where is this going? What did he throw on here? Uh, it's a movie that debuted on Netflix. Uh, we talked about it at length when we did our Charlie Kaufman episode. Um, I'm not entirely sure what all of your criticisms were. I don't know if like I, I fully grasped what you didn't like about it. Um, but I found this movie to just be a really interesting concept and a really interesting execution of a pretty simple story. It's about a janitor wishing life was different. Yeah, right. But, okay, but it's it's more than that, though. It's like it's a Charlie Kaufman subversion in the way that Charlie Kaufman often does it, where it's a Charlie Kaufman movie. Let's make no mistake about that. Cer- certainly. No, it is. And he is subverting what's a pretty like uh, a well-worn trope, which is this idea of the alternate reality, the ultimate, the alternate history of your life, the dream sequence told through the perspective, not of the dreamer, but of the person in the dream. Um, this is the, the main character here. I, am I spoiling it to say this, but it, it is revealed later on in the movie that Jesse Buckley may not be a real person. And that is left open to interpretation. However, the movie is stuck in her point of view for most of the runtime. Um, and I, I found that to be a really interesting execution. Um, does it always work? Of course not. <laughs> Charlie Kaufman stuff often falls flat. Um, he often misses the mark and he takes big swings and sometimes it's a swing and a miss. But I thought in its totality, a really vibey story with cool imagery and fun performances. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the type of movie that you have to watch more than once to unpack and you have to think about in order to fully grasp it. And I think that's always a worthwhile experiment. It's an experiment. Um, I don't think it's a bad movie. Um, I just didn't vibe with me whatsoever. I don't understand Charlie Kaufman and I think he needs to get over himself. Okay. <laughs> I think he needs to stop being a mopey bitch. <laughs> so there's that. I would continue that he, I would prefer that he continue moping. It's getting really repetitive, man. And okay. it's the same, to me, it's kind of the same s- story over and over again, even though like these are great ideas, man, but how are they presented? This, I, I come, I come at this a lot where it's like, yeah, on paper, that's nice, but how is the execution? And I'm so bored by this movie and I just hate pretty much everybody in it. I can't stand the idea that it's probably about a janitor imagining what his life should have been and hating himself so much that even his imaginary girlfriend hates him. Oh, <laughs> it's like, fuck off, man. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I have better things to do than waste my time with these characters and this story. And I don't know. It wasn't the most healthy experience. <laughs> it's not a poorly made movie. And I guess it's a fine execution of a, a, a questionable endeavor. And while, wow. it's, while it's shots fired, it's, 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 it's like, I would look at him if I was his friend and be like, you want to make a movie about that? Yeah. All right, man, go ahead. have fun getting more movies financed. Uh, oh, he's never going to get movies. No, but he's never been able to get movies. No. financed. <laughs> look at Synecdoche, New York. That's not exactly an accessible blockbuster. <laughs> That's also how about the claymation movie about the fat people fucking? Yeah, and I have issues with that movie too. Fucking love that movie. Synecdoche, New York is like this mammoth puzzle of a movie, though. Yeah, which again, like I, as much as I love that movie, even then I don't vibe with everything it's trying to say because most there's always a part of me that's like, you can't just chill out, Charlie Kaufman. (laughs) You can't just chill the fuck out. (laughs) 
Never. <laughs> Never, ever. Okay. But this is the thing is that he's very much like spinning a lot of the same messages over the course of multiple movies, which is why by the time I got to this one, after watching all of those movies that we did for the pod, I was like, yeah, I'm just tired of this. I, I don't need any more Charlie Kaufman in my Maybe life. you were a little worn out. Maybe yeah, if you spaced it maybe. over a couple of years, it would have been different. It's yeah. possible. Yeah. yeah. And maybe I'll revisit it eventually, but... Yeah, I mean, it, it still stands. Like, I'm, I don't care much about you know Jesse Plemons or the 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 plight of a fucking janitor, and I don't care much about Jesse Buckley. She's particularly annoying to me. But I do Whoa! like. Oh, I, I do like that. Dave, ain't right. Whatever. That yeah. ain't. Don't take a stray shot at Jesse Buckley. She's wonderful in this movie. You'll get over it. Oh, um, I'm not gonna let that stand. She's annoying. Yeah, she's pretty annoying. Stop. Yeah, I was I was very happy to not spend any more time with her. Oh, geez. maybe that's the point. I don't know. Oh, geez. Uh, David Thewlis is wonderful, and Tony Collette is a lot of fun. <laughs> whatever she's doing. Yeah, yeah the parents are great. Uh, whatever. Skip it. Look, I, I'm also a sucker for like an awkward, like, you know, boyfriend meets the family or girlfriend meets the family for the first time movie. <laughs> I'm a sucker for it. This is not an awkward encounter that has ever been ha- been seen before by another human being. This, yeah. This has never occurred. Oh, in, it's nightmare in, fuel. In, <laughs> yes. Absolutely. It's not, it's not the fucking chicken scene in Eraserhead. <laughs> no, it's not quite that far, but I'm not sure that ever happened either. <laughs> I don't know which was more realistic. I like this movie. I think it's really good and ambitious. And yeah, sure, it gets a little carried away reading Pauline Kale reviews word for word. But I'm I, into it. I no, I I'm get, always into this. I get it. I get it. I get it. And it's not a movie that I I I'm upset that you like or anything like that. It's fine. It's just not for me. Okay, more than anything. All right, Adam Hall. That's I'm thinking of ending things. I assume it's not on your list. So number seven for you, sir. I'm thinking of ending things was number thirty three. Oh, jeez, <laughs> forty three movies. Oh God, it gets worse. That's obnoxious. It gets worse. Trust me. Okay. And you want to know what's even more obnoxious to you? What number seven for me? Uh-huh. That's what we're at. Yeah. Number seven, swallow. Swallow. <laughs> I watched. A film called Swallow. Oh, that's the movie where the chick swallows nails and shit, right? Yeah, man. Yeah, no thank you. <laughs> Holy shit. No thank you. Uh, it's a like pretty perfect movie, actually. What? Yeah, it's the best looking movie I've seen this year in terms of cinematography, but the lead performance... Wait, what the hell was this, this girl's name? Let me look at this. Uh, Haley Bennett amazing in the movie. Oh, I've seen her in things. It's the first time I've ever seen her, and I was like, oh, this, this, you're going places, chick. She um, was in Hillbilly Elegy. Oh, yeah, I didn't finish that one. And Devil All the Time. Did you see The Devil All the Time? Not yet. Also not worth your time. Yeah. Uh, also in Hardcore Henry. Oh. Great movie. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't expect this at all. It's, um, yeah, it can, it can be a little disturbing and uncomfortable, uh, very uncomfortable. It's not like a gross-out movie in the same way way the i guess maybe the trailers would would have you believe there's not as many instances of her like swallowing painful <laughs> shit as you would imagine and it's not really even about that at the end of the day okay it's kind of got a lot of heart oh no it's a lot of humanity heart and of glass literally and figuratively yeah and i was sort of <laughs> taken aback by the the approach to a human struggle uh-huh. and some people were criticizing it as if it was taking like the 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 Affliction of Pico, which is what she's struggling with. It's a real thing? Yeah, it is a real thing. 
and basically like saying like, oh, it's demonizing Pika and it's made to look like some Cronenbergian body horror shit. I'm like, no, it treats it pretty honestly. Is that not accurate? What? <laughs> Is swallowing nails not like body horror? I, I mean, it, it, I guess it kind of is. It doesn't present it as... as the, is there something wrong with saying don't swallow nails? Well, this is the thing, though. No, the, the, <laughs> it, it, it's not presenting it the way like Cronenberg would, where it like becomes like this monstrous thing. Yeah, okay. It's being, it's, no, it's treating the affliction pretty honestly. Okay. And it is saying, yeah, this is a thing that is, you know, obviously pretty terrible mm. and has the potential to ruin your life and the, the lives of those around you and your intestines and it's yeah it's not something to take lightly but it also explores why she's struggling with this affliction in a pretty interesting way uh-huh. and the conclusion that she comes to is also one of the more interesting approaches i've seen it is essentially i i guess i i can spoil it because i know you're not going to see this movie definitely not um the movie is built around her struggling with who she is because she is the product of rape. Oh, the character is the product of rape. Okay. And the ending of the movie has her confronting her rapist father. Okay. And it is one of the most touching things I've seen in a while. This sounds like it's not for me. Um, and after another movie that we, I guess we, we haven't mentioned, which was uh, never, rarely, sometimes, always, uh-huh. and the way it treats the male characters. I mean, here's the thing. If I'm writing something like Swallow, I, I would fall into the trap of saying, yeah, let's kick the shit out of this rapist character. Right. Um, and it approaches this character um, very honestly uh-huh. and totally objectively because he's at a point in his life where he's basically fixed everything and gotten his shit together and he has a family and he's very happy Uh but he's kept the secret for years and years and years and the movie basically says the character hates himself for it right (laughs) and is well aware of the fact that he deserved to be punished and he went to prison for it Mm. and it's this weird poetic acceptance of of everything that the characters have dealt with throughout throughout the entire movie when they finally meet each other and, um, boy, it was actually kind of heartbreaking and I felt for the guy and the character, the, um, um, uh, Haley Bennett's character feels for him as well okay. and sort of spiritually forgives him in a weird way. And there's just such an honesty to that approach to treating these characters fairly in a way that never really sometimes always does not. Yeah. Um, and I kind of like loved it for taking such a bold approach and not everyone's going to be on board with it, but uh, it was deeply affecting this movie kind of, uh, I didn't see much wrong with it. Honestly, <laughs> I thought it was pretty phenomenal. Uh, the ending itself though, uh, is, this is another movie that deals with abortion. <laughs> uh, not every- I'm going to avoid this like the yeah. plague. Not, not the, the movie has <laughs> avoid this like a like the coronavirus wing of a hospital. Yeah, y- you wouldn't like it. it. It's 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 not it's not for you. Especially it seems horrible. The close up shots of like like food and whatnot. Oh no! The scene where she's eating ice is just the weirdest shit. Where she ah! swallows the thumbtack. Ah! Hey, let me put it this way, Nico. The thumbtack is the second thing she swallows. Number two. <laughs> yeah, no thanks. Uh, when she's cleaning off her feces to get the thing back. <laughs> Everything in this movie would bother you. Oh, goodness. Um, but man, yeah. The, like I said, the, the ultimate ending um, has her um, 
um, disposing of her fetus because she's also pregnant. I forgot to mention disposing of her fetus in a bathroom. Uh, yep. All right. That's enough of that. <laughs> that's, I got, got it. Understood. <laughs> Received. What a turn this took. Swallow, the movie's called? Swallow. Really good. Really oh, goodness. Good. Yeah. I don't know what people are going to think of the the ending ending. I think your mileage is going to vary pretty wildly on that. Uh-huh. And I'm not entirely sure how I felt about it. But I can't deny I thought about this movie more than almost any other movie this year. And in a positive way. I wasn't like breaking it down and being like, oh, this ending doesn't make any sense. Or, oh, this character did this now and it totally invalidates everything that came before. No. It's just like, oh, that was an interesting and obviously the the director or writer or both. I I don't know what if he did both. But um, uh, he considered these endings for a long time and you can really feel that and in a way it feels like something he was struggling with in the same way that the character was so he did the work uh and it's it's a it's a great execution of of an often very very uncomfortable story but um it's not for it's it's impossible to recommend but not as hard to recommend as i thought it was going to be it's got a lot of heart yep (laughs) <laughs> okay that's great i do want to speak up for never really sometimes always by the way because yeah. you, you just threw that reference out there that is actually number 11 on my list okay just missed the top 10 by one spot i agree with you i i see a lot of the same criticisms that you did the male characters in that movie are purposefully one-dimensional and all very evil almost to cartoonish extremes um but it's like really beautifully made. It and is a good. The movie. performances are unbelievable in it, and like just some of those images. The image of the two girls linking fingers oh, yeah. around the like pole in the subway station is like just one of the great shots of the year. It's a funny example of a movie where I was infuriated by the filmmaking. Oh, sorry. Don't hit the table. Sorry. <laughs> no, I, I I found the the filmmaking obviously you're. You know, you know me. This the the way this film was shot and edited was driving me nuts. Uh-huh. Um, and I thought there was <laughs> there were many better ways of approaching this subject matter. And I, I've seen it before in films like uh, uh, Four Months, Three Weeks, and Two Days. Um, but yeah, I, I think like that image as well. Even though like I didn't necessarily love the way it was shot, it's just the, the fact that they did it was enough, okay. and it was really really powerful. Um, I am not as on board with the performance of the lead. Oh, I thought she was amazing. I thought she was very one note. Really? And I, I appreciate some of the subtleties to her performance, but it is blank to a fault. In my opinion, I get that's kind of the point. It is the point. Yeah. But like, I was just so bored by her and it was the same inflections. It was the same sort of like deadpan face. I was just getting so very little out of her. The The most affecting scene is where they're actually describing the title. Yeah. Um, but even that had, didn't have me totally convinced and, I yeah, know. I was I, I was like crying at that. Yeah. Like, seriously, I, I, I was incredibly moved by it. I needed a lot more out of her. Okay, I was. I thought she was kind of okay. Okay, cool. Not on the list, but just yeah, worth matter. noting. Okay, uh, all right. Number six for me, man. There's just so many surprises on your list so far. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> never really. Sometimes always is twenty eight. Okay, twenty eight. That's, that's very rude. Number <laughs> six is a movie called Boys State. Oh. Which you can stream on Apple TV. Okay. <laughs> what? This was on my list for the longest time until I started watching more movies. That it's at fifteen for me. Oh, okay. But, but right. I love I love this movie. <laughs> awesome documentary. Yeah. We talked about it on the air as well when it first came out on Apple TV. It's actually an A twenty four production. 
not a ton of A24 movies this year, but uh, when they hit, they hit pretty hard. And uh, Boy State is uh, just an awesome documentary. It's actually not the highest documentary on my list, but um, it is a movie about a group of 1,017-year-old boys that get together for this political summer camp in Texas and split up into two parties and vote on policy and elect their leaders and essentially learn the ins and outs of Washington, D.C. and how to be a politico. Yep. Um, it is uh, fascinating. And the three kids that they chose as the lead for this movie were the perfect three choices. All of them were incredibly compelling on screen. They're able to communicate elements of their personality and elements of their thought process in the way that most 17 year olds are unable to articulate and sort of as the storytellers of the movie, they did a phenomenal job telling their story well, while you also kind of resent many of them. Oh, well they did okay telling their story given the fact that they're all like lisping their way through it. How dare you? So many lisps, a lot of lisps, but, but uh, they're, they're, they're a tremendous amount of fun. These yeah, kids, they're, they're they, the camera loves them and they're fucking twerps and, and they I, love I, the camera. I, I want to beat the shit out of all these kids. I hated them, but, it, but in the best kind of way. <laughs> yeah. It's a cinema verite style. Um, you know, just sort of fly on the wall for this camp that, happens all across the country in different states going back to like the 50s you can look at the list of notable alumni that attended uh boy state and it's people like bill clinton and michael jordan and uh other luminaries uh just a fascinating study on mob mentality on the two-party political system on the pitfalls of partisan politics and uh it has you asking the question do kids learn behavior from adults or do adults learn behavior from kids? Um, yeah, that's interesting. And it is an interesting sort of existential question. Like it's kind of what I expected it to be yeah. in that way. But, the, I, but you know, I, it, that's more of an idea that I've been presented with, with which I know and understand, but it's different when it takes the time to explore them with firsthand examples like this sure. <laughs> and to watch that happen, right. but also to see how easily like you can fall into those pitfalls. Like it happens immediately. Right. And I'm just like, Whoa, it's already becoming a game. What the fuck? Right. Yeah. It was kind of terrifying certainly yeah the way that these two kids just split off into arbitrary groups yeah, not exactly. on political alignment not on beliefs not on values <laughs> but a- just on red versus blue <laughs> yeah immediately i was like whoa 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 whoa, whoa. wait what <laughs> it's amazing <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> yeah and the fact that we're actually drilling this into children at a young age is uh, terrible look if you want to know why you're only getting six hundred dollars in the stimulus check this week fucking watch boy state yeah <laughs> Now, two parties just scream at each other and don't get anything done and have no interest in your well-being or the well-being of the nation just in enriching their own wealth and status in the world. It's a game. It's a sport. That's what this is. Right. They're going to fucking football camp in this movie. 100%. But it's it's fascinating. <laughs> it is. And uh, I, I really loved it just as a narrative as well as a documentary. Very informative, but also uh, just a, a thrilling political drama to watch. I agree. So that's Boy State, number six. Awesome movie. Yeah. I agree. Uh, number six for me was Vast Night, which we've already talked about in great extent. Great. I love the movie. Okay. Number five for me. Here we go. We're halfway through. Wow. Yeah. Top five. Yep. I'm going to be shocked if I can't guess your top five. I feel like I know exactly what the five movies are coming up. And if they're not, something's up. Is okay. something going to be up? Yeah. Okay. I think. Oh, no. Number five for me 
a movie called Dick Johnson is Dead. Did you see this one? <laughs> no, I did not. Okay. Netflix release. Um, it is another documentary. However, it is a little less straightforward and a little more artistic and uh, and surrealist as compared to Boy State. It's directed by this woman named Kirsten Johnson, who made a movie a few years ago called Camera Person. Okay. Uh, Kirsten Johnson got her uh, or earned her stripes overseas documenting war zones and oh. uh, I think did some work for Dateline and uh, oh, she was out. She was one of the uh, camera people behind Citizen Four political documentary with Edward Snowden. Um, and a few years ago, she did this movie called Camera Person, which is very autobiographical and just features shots that she has acquired just living with her camera over the years. And uh, Dick Johnson elaborates further on the themes of that movie. Uh, this is about her dad named Dick Johnson. He is a therapist who um, is beloved in both the community, community, among his family, among his friends. Just a great fucking dad. <laughs> In like uh, the way that you just wish your dad was like, it must have been incredible growing up in the Johnson household. Just a lovely, kind, soft spoken, um, you know, no temper to this guy at all. It's like Mr. Rogers. It's like growing up with Mr. Rogers, this dude. Um, and he's getting towards the end of his life and he's starting to retire and think about the next phase. And so is his daughter. And um, he starts getting dementia and he starts forgetting things and they have to bring a caretaker into the apartment to take care of Dick Johnson. And, um, you know, eventually things unravel some more and it's simultaneously very depressing, but also incredibly lovely and inventive. And uh, I just love the conceit of this movie. Essentially, Kirsten Johnson wanted to make a documentary about the death of Dick Johnson while her father was still alive. So she films death scenes and like outright, she like stages it with, you know, makeup and stunt coordinators and things like at one point, I think a a microwave is dropped on his head as he's walking down the street. And, uh, you know, there, there are a number of like surrealist dream sequences. There's actually a a whole sequence of Dick Johnson in heaven and who he would, (laughs) um, you know, who he would find in heaven and what he would be doing if, uh, you know, he was reunited with his late wife again. Oh, interesting. All of this stuff is so gorgeous and so well shot. Um, and that is contrasted with real life trauma and real life hardship. Um, you know, my grandfather's going through the same thing that Dick Johnson's going through now. Mm -hmm. And I see that firsthand and it's horribly depressing. And, um, it's, it's a a tough thing for a loved one to have to go through, especially when this figure is so monumental in your life and means so much to you. And, and, and throughout your entire life has been this sort of steadfast, um, rock and, uh, it's, it's horrible, but it's also very cinematic. Okay. There's also a lot of joy that you can find in these small moments. Uh, and by the end of the movie, Kirsten Johnson plays a, a trick on you. And there's this awesome invention um, in the last 10 minutes that, uh, you know, it, it implies that not everything that you're seeing meets the eye. Uh, or or is, is that the correct phrase? I think I butchered that idiom. What is this like a Rolling Thunder review? Kind of a fake documentary. No, not a fake, not a fake documentary, but there are elements there. There's more that the, than meets the eye. That's the phrase that I'm looking for. It's a transformers movie. 
Yes. Turns out Optimus Prime's just hanging out. Oh, Dick wow. Johnson is Optimus Prime. Wow. All right. I'm seeing this movie now. <laughs> you didn't have me convinced until you said Optimus Prime. <laughs> Lovely film that made me cry, and I'm sure it'll make you cry as well if you've gone through something similar. Um, loved it. Absolutely adored it. One of my favorites of the year. Okay. Not bad. I like that. Okay. Yeah. Number five for you. Another round. Okay. Another round. Wow. Yeah. Another yeah. round. I just watched this last night. Yep. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure how you were going to fall on this. I thought you might th- think it was good, but maybe not necessarily great. Um, I responded to this one pretty strongly. Mm-hmm. I think part of the reason was I wasn't sure what it was going to be. I think there was a little bit of me that thought maybe it could be just a film about alcoholism. It kind of is that. Um, but then I, I, it, it gets going, and it turns out it's more of Thomas Vinterberg doing a buddy movie yeah, <laughs> where they are convincing each other it's fun to drink and it's just about drunk assholes being drunk assholes <laughs> trying to see how, how far they can get away with being drunk assholes yeah. and I thought it was great. <laughs> There's something, oh boy, just, I, I don't know, very freeing about this movie for me and it's just fun to explore them uh, being thrown into these situations and sort of being honest about... <laughs> why intoxication is sometimes a good thing but also sometimes a bad thing i think the movie comes down pretty hard on intoxication i i would say yes (laughs) but it has them drinking by the end of it again so yeah that ending is a little complicated definitely no that's that's part of the reason why i was like uh you know i i don't think it necessarily takes a side which i kind of liked because there's a there's always a bit of me that's like what's wrong with you know you know getting hammered (laughs) on a tuesday I don't. I get, could name a few things. I don't get hammered on a Tuesday. Oh yeah, no, no, no. But this is the, <laughs> this is the point of the movie is that it's kind of saying like, yeah, don't don't push your luck too much. Yeah, I, yeah. It certainly explores it to its logical extreme. Anyway, yeah. The, the title is actually kind of appropriate. It's it's not exactly coming down on drinking. It's coming down on the next round. Yes. It's like maybe you don't need another round. Yes. Yes. Like, yes. Like there might be a limit to this, but also like once you start, you just keep going. Yep. There are moments where it's where you're sort of put in Moss Mikkelsen's perspective and like there's a scene where he's like, OK, I'm cut off. I'm not doing this anymore. And they start making these really strong drinks. And then he's just so tempted to do it with his buddies that he's like, you know what? I got to keep up with them. And it's a really uh, nice little quiet character moment that I think a lot of us relate to. I've certainly related to that. Instance. Oh, yeah. And um, it punishes them appropriately, too. Yeah. Also reward, rewards them appropriate, appropriately. Jesus, I can't talk. Um, but I was kind of digging it. There's just something very efficient about it that I, I didn't expect at all. And I'm absolutely in love with the, the final dance number. <laughs> I can't express Incredible. that. Holy fucking shit. Incredible. Stuff. It was awesome. Incredible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I just watched it last night. I just haven't had enough time to sit with it in order to feel comfortable putting it on the top 10. So that's the only reason why it's not here, but I'm I'm sure it would pop up somewhere in the middle of the list. I I really enjoyed it as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thomas Vinterberg reunites with Mads Mikkelsen um, going back to the hunt, right? That's the last movie they did together. Yep. Uh, Which might've been the last movie he did. Was it? I'm not sure. Might be. That was 2013. Uh, Thomas Vinterberg's the hunt, which we talked about glowingly. Um, on our end of decade. Now he's done a few. He did Far From the Madding Crowd in 2015, The Commune in 2016, and The Command in, in 2018. But I believe this is the uh, the uh, the latest collaboration okay. with Mads. The Hunt was so good. That's on my list of my top 11 of the decade. Yeah. It's okay. a wonderful performance. And similar here. It's yeah. a, it is an awesome performance where Mads is sort of allowed to loosen up. 
Well, literally, <laughs> that's what the movie's kind of about. Yeah, literally about that. But, yeah. About his character being a total, you know, like shut in and hating his life. And, <laughs> and finally, they're like, you know what? Just drink a little. <laughs> yeah, there are few direct. There are few actors on the planet that do interiority as well as Mads Mikkelsen does. And here, watching his performance get more physical and more loud mm-hmm. and more angry, uh, was a was a, a nice change of pace. Although they didn't overplay their hand. No, nope. like it's still a very subtle movie. It is in the way that Thomas Vinterberg's filmography often is. Um, and yeah, I, I see absolutely nothing wrong with this movie. I think it's a. a a, a lovely film and deserves I, a spot on the list. I basically said the same thing. It's like, I didn't see much that was actually uh, a misstep. And I, th- I think I was, it was another one of those good surprises for me where it's like, I just expect, I, I think maybe after the hunt or after many, you know, Danish films, I expect them to be a little more upsetting. Oh, this is Danish by the way. Oh yeah. yeah. We should mention that. But I came out of this like a fucking love Danish cinema. Cause this was <laughs> dope. It's just, it's just like a nice flavorful movie. And I didn't expect it to be as dynamic as it is. Cause it's funny and it's charming and sweet, but it's also, it can get very aggressive, like you said, and really humiliating, like with the guy with his son pissing on him all the time. And then he pees in the bed, just, <laughs> which again, simultaneously hilarious, but also really, really disgusting and humiliating. Yeah. And the movie does a, a tremendous amount of legwork to uh, explain like <laughs> why, why they would have gotten into this sort of drinking habit to begin with, but also <laughs> why like, you know, guys like, come on now. There's an element where the audience is like, okay, guys, are you for real? Right. <laughs> and I really love that. And there's also great comedy here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know, like the scene where they're catching the fish because they're out of it at the market. <laughs> and they jump into the water. Yeah, they're tripping over themselves at the supermarket. And finally, they end up with fishing nets. And I'll meet you there. <laughs> Mads is stabbing the water with the end of the pole. It's, it's just great, great stuff. I, I, and that's the thing. I thought it was going to be much more upsetting, but it's like a really like... Because there's no comedy in the hunt. No. No. Well, what do you expect? Sure. <laughs> but this is surprisingly uplifting. Yeah. And like I said, that is one of my favorite endings of the year. And I... Vinterberg I, does symbolic endings very well. Great. Yeah. 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 Just utter jubilation at the end. I was, I, I was, you know, totally enraptured by it. Yeah. If you want a movie about uh, the pitfalls of drinking, just like avoid the hangover and go right to another round. Yeah. I would say this is a better version of the hangover. No, you know, that, that, that's the thing. It's, it, it, it's, that's what it is. It's another yeah. movie similar, you know, in, in concept to the hangover. Yeah. Literally. And I just didn't think it was going to be that. Yeah. I thought it would be much more dark. No, but, it, but it pulls off. It's like the best buddy hangout drinking movie I've ever seen. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. That's another round. Great choice. Great movie. Great choice. Number five. All right. Number four for me, I will be shocked shocked if this is not on your list it's called soul <clears throat> pixar soul directed by andrew stanton starring jamie fox uh tina fey and uh, a bunch of others that you may recognize i'm sure many of, of you watch this over the holiday break it premiered on disney plus at no additional cost christmas day so it was uh perfect timing for the family to bundle up and watch an existential animated film about the nature of life purpose and meaning Uh (laughs) a lot of heady concepts here uh i i just don't imagine a universe where any child understands this like it is it is really heavy fucking stuff um even more so than inside out a lot of people are calling this sort of like a spiritual sequel to inside out and tackling similar uh, subject matter first of all inside out is about a little girl and it's about the experience of growing up and although it's a little abstract in the details 
like it is still about the uh, the nature of childhood. This is about the nature of adulthood and about passion and about purpose and about a fucking jazz musician that's been bumming around as a high school music teacher. Do you think this is better than Inside Out? Um, no, no, I don't. Okay, but I think it's I think it's close. I mean, I love both of them. All right, Pete. Uh, I'm sorry, Andrew Stanton did not direct this. I'm sorry, Pete, Pete Doctor, Doctor is who directed this. I apologize for that. Uh, I'm into Pete Doctor's vibe, man. That like that. I know all of the Pixar movies are the product of the Pixar brain trust. His are the movies that I respond to the most up monsters, Inc inside out all have that very, uh, mature stroke to them, mature streak to them. And, uh, yeah, I, 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 uh, I just thought this was absolutely fucking remarkable and, uh, you're wincing. Oh, okay. Let's go. Let's go to the list. Okay. Let's go to the list. How many movies are on your list? 43. You're telling me this is not in your top 10? It's number 43. David Foster's On the Record, number 42. Miss Americana, number 41. Capone, number 40. Is, you're reading from bottom to top. Number, f- number 40. Jesus Rolls, number 39. <laughs> the Princess Switch, switched again. Number 38. Soul. I fucking hated this movie with all of my heart, man, it is a piece of shit. What's happening? It's a piece of shit. This is a bad movie, and I, you you've been swayed by you believe, the, I, you've been swayed by the masses. You have been brainwashed. I don't know what happened to you. This is a terrible movie. It's one of the worst Pixar movies I've seen in a while. Um, I went into it knowing for sure because I saw the trailer, and I was like, "Oh, that's that that's what I want." Because I saw Onward, and I'm like, "Oh God, all right, it was fine, I guess," but. I was a little more rejuvenated when I saw the trailer for Saw. I'm like, this is what we need, right? Uh, this is everything Pixar should be doing. And then I saw the movie. And it goes on for five minutes. And I feel nothing. And nothing is built up or earned or makes any sense. And the animation is uninspired. And it, what? It looks like shit. Uh, I don't what? Ca- I don't care about any of these people. Um, the story was ludicrous, and the ideas are ideas that were covered better with more care and nuance in fucking Zombieland. Um, yeah, it's a piece of shit, dude. It's a bad movie, and I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, I was wa- Here, here's how I know it's bad, is when I'm sitting there, and I'm watching it with, with Abigail Richardson, my lovely girlfriend, and um, we get about five minutes in, and Ab- Abby's like... <sighs> Hey, Adam, <laughs> like, oh, God, what is it, hon? Um, yeah, like, uh, this is this is not good. <laughs> when, when Abby says that, it's a bad thing, man. When we're 40 minutes in and I am struggling to give the movie the benefit of the doubt, even though I'm like, oh, OK, scene by scene. Yeah, that wasn't good. That that wasn't good. But hey, it's you know, it's got to get better. And Abby's just like, Adam, this is giving me anxiety. This is really bad. I don't I don't I haven't felt a goddamn thing throughout this entire movie. And I'm like, I haven't felt anything either, but maybe it'll be better. Oh, boy. I thought it would be better than Onward. (laughs) And it's not. It's not better than Onward. How did they do that? (laughs) How did they pull that off? Oh, fuck this movie. I hated it so much. It was driving me mental. Who cares, man? Who gives a shit about anything in this movie? I thought it was actually a, a pretty horrendous film. All right, there we go. That's my rant. <laughs> Hated it, man. 
hated this movie. It was awful. It's not good. I'm sorry, dude. It's not a good movie. <laughs> this is something Abby and I should have loved. <laughs> and we hated it. We didn't like the movie at all. <laughs> what the fuck were they thinking? <laughs> I'm 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 really lost. Yeah, I know you're lost and I'm lost I'm, too. I'm, I'm really Is this the Is this it? Is this like the Have we ever like felt so differently about a movie before? No, and I don't think we ever... Is this the furthest apart we've ever been on anything? I came in because I was like, everyone was loving it too. And I'm like, yes, okay, great. And then like, seriously... I adored it. I really did. Well, you shouldn't have. It's a bad movie. Why not? <laughs> it sucked, dude. I shouldn't have enjoyed it. <laughs> no, I actually felt bad. I don't know what that means. I shouldn't have enjoyed it. I was like, Jesus Christ, like kids deserve better than this. This is the stupidest thing I, I've I, ever I, seen. I don't, I really don't know how to. What's the best animation you could come up with for these, for these like souls? How about little blue people that are indescript and they don't look like anything great i don't know how to even begin here how i'm, how, I'm really lost how do you conceptualize am i on punked like what's that is there how any do you, camera how do you conceptualize I mean, recording it anyway the, the afterlife it's here, here. It's, oh this is the best this is the best thing ever. okay like, how yeah. do you conceptualize the the afterlife mounds of blue grass Okay, how, how about the angel-like figures that, you know, are the counselors? And they're the looking Jerry's. Up, yeah, the Jerry's, whatever. Uh, how do you conceptualize those? Doodles. Yeah. Awesome. Fucking love those doodles. Uh, how about the bad uh, realm where all, like, the lost souls go? How do you conceptualize the, all that shit? Dark blue mounds of grass. Okay, it is remarkably boring wow boring wow and, uh, dude this uh, what did i actually say you should just read my review because i shouldn't good, apparently good, i shouldn't here's here it sounded anything like what you just said here's my like maybe yeah. maybe if soul wasn't plagued with crippling add i may have been able to enjoy the stronger elements to oh, the story goodness. i may also have been able to appreciate the delivery of the film's ideas as trite as they are but no right yeah what are you talking about you all oh, appreciate the little things great Trice. awesome oh i'm gonna go and live a little because i don't i'm not looking at life in the correct perspective i don't care if the the the, the way time, that, time out time out time out you, it's trite as listen, fuck listen you, i don't i don't i'm, I'm giving not, you plenty of time on the soapbox what let are you talking here. about you, let me you haven't here. heard this idea many 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 times the idea of passion versus purpose is something yes! been discussed yes! in a fucking uh, what the fuck are you talking about dude fucking animated God, kids movie <laughs> are you kidding me <laughs> are what are you referring to yes dude are you kidding? I don't care if it's in a kid's movie. This ideal of passion versus purpose, I've seen it so many the times. The idea that what you enjoy doing is not necessarily what you're put on the earth to do. Have and you this, ever seen and this, Spider-Man 2? Oh, stop. Sometimes it's better to give up your dreams. Yeah, I've heard it before, man. And better in Spider-Man 2. Not, but that's not what the movie is saying. In Spider-Man 2 is kind of a... Yes, it is. It's not what, no, it's not. <laughs> yes, it's it not. It's not. What's it trying to say then? It's trying to say that you have to be able to live you have to be able to contextualize that part of your life and put it in its own bubble and still exist in the world without becoming obsessed with it. That's Spider-Man too. And becoming a lost soul as, as the movie visually shows you in your passion. Like sometimes like you can go too far in one direction or the other and you have to learn to live a balanced life and also 
accomplishing your dreams is not does not necessarily correlate with purpose does not necessarily yeah. correlate with yeah meaning. yeah it's not a new concept at all i've seen it a thousand times before but it's beautifully done here, oh though. no because you don't beautifully fucking you, done yeah because it's not beautifully done because the editing is remarkably shitty the pacing is horrible what? this was the pacing of hellboy 2019 oh my goodness it was bad i was like jesus christ they're moving fast how can you say the animation wasn't beautiful like the lighting in those like jazz sequences what? when they're in the jazz club like the use when they're of in shadow and shadowy confined spaces that look like it's anything gorgeous. else it's yeah, gorgeous yeah, stuff. I'm, I'm snoozing at it um yeah dude uh boy i don't see anything redeemable about this i actually thought it was a piece of shit I thought it was a terrible I, movie. I really don't know how you could possibly think that. Like, look, I understand you not thinking it's one of the better Pixar movies. There's nothing to I understand to with you not to. getting it. I get all that. There's I don't know in what universe you can say this is a bad movie. <laughs> yes, it's a bad like, movie. I, like, I can understand you saying Onward's a bad movie. I can understand you saying that Cars 2 is a bad movie. Mm-hmm. I can understand you saying Monsters University is a bad movie. This might have been worse than Monsters University. I, I do not. I cannot understand you classifying this objectively as a bad movie yep that just makes no sense i'm sorry it doesn't make any sense to you but it is a bad movie by the the point where he falls down the manhole oh my god i'm again though i was like struggling to get on board with this movie but i'm like i I, all i got from this guy was that he's a sorry music instructor that wants to make it big and before i can sink into that and really feel for his plight in he's quotes, lewin davis yes great <laughs> just, just watch but it's <laughs> fucking awesome but no, the, normally the but hero is the issue the problem with all this normally is, it's a cowboy oh, and a talking fish and an astronaut <laughs> that's normally the hero in a pixar what movie what do you fucking do do and it better oh. do it better man they didn't do anything with it they just introduced the idea and then they move on I don't care if they have the idea. Cool, you did a Pixar movie where that's in there. They also did a Pixar movie where the fucking guy loses his wife in the first five minutes and it's heartbreaking. Uh, it's not the first time that they've done interesting, in quotes, adult ideas, but you have to execute them properly. You have to handle them with care. You can't give me all of these concepts within the first literally five minutes and then expect me to buy the inciting incident and expect me to feel bad for him. Okay. I don't care Got it. if okay. he's struggling with this. I don't care if he has to get back to his body. I don't care if 22 needs to learn what it feels like to live. I don't care about this fucking Jerry that's trying to get them back. It is the Here's dumbest- the other cool Nothing thing about the thing. movie though is that is that jerry i think he's actually his name is terry right he's the accountant the counter one yeah. the, the the accountant is i guess the villain of the movie but this is a movie without an antagonist whatever but no i think that's <laughs> yeah awesome. great i know i think great like, no Pixar, no, con- <laughs> no conflict I, I love it no it's no i didn't say no <laughs> conflict i said no villain there's I, no conflict in this movie pixar has fallen into a pretty familiar rhythm over the last few years look they have a formula that works sure. it's worked since toy story it still works pixar still puts out a good movie at least once every two years very few bad pixar movies <laughs> But every movie, whether it's Lotso the the bear, or whether it's Sid the the little boy, or whether it's Bruce the shark, yeah, like all of those movies, as existential and smart as they can get, have an antagonist, and oftentimes they're kind of uncompelling antagonists. Like I I don't think the villains in Pixar movies are necessarily getting me into the door. No. And what I loved about this movie is that they dropped that pretense. But like, you know what? We have the power because we're Pixar, the most powerful animation studio in the world. We have the power to get weird with this one. We have the power to play around with this formula and break weird. conventions and about? really and really test the boundaries Breaking of what of what kids will understand. So predictable. 
the idea that there's no villain in this movie and the idea that it's just sort of a movie about a guy that's lost, literally a lost soul figuring out his place in the world and yeah, coming it's a lot to like Woody and, and, no, and Buzz Lightyear and, and coming and to terms stuff, with yeah. the lack of his success. Uh, look, as a guy that often thinks about these things, it has a lot of uh, internal turmoil over this. You stuff. deserve better than this movie. It does not do an adequate job at exploring those ideas. Don't give this movie that that much credit, dude. It does not do a good job at exploring those ideas. I don't care if it exists in a kid. Let me ask movie. you a question. What? <laughs> You didn't like Inside Out for similar reasons, I assume, right? Like, I, I want to know, it, did you not like this movie for the same reason you didn't like Inside Out? Because you've complained about Inside Out in the past. Well, Inside Out, I just find, like, boring. It's not that I hate the Why movie. Why do you find it boring? I don't Like, th- these two movies, I find, if, if nothing, incredibly interesting. Te- well, th- this is the problem. It's like, maybe I'm not interested in the ideas in all of Get Out. I also think it's muddled. It's just, I, again, I know it's a kid's film and they don't want to overcomplicate it, but... They simplified things to a sort of annoying degree. And this one, you're, apparently they overcomplicated it. No, no, no. This is the other issue. No, I told you they oversimplified even worse in this because wow. these are much bigger ideas here and they treat them as if they're being presented to three-year-olds. And that's, again, it's being made for children. Yeah. But these but, are adult themes still, though. But th- this is the issue. It's like it, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. I'm not even sure a kid would care that much. The kid would look, be like, oh, look at the cool blue blob. It's so cute. They don't give a shit about what this movie's actually getting at. And by the time you're old enough to appreciate it, you're like, oh, yeah, that says nothing. You're you, and you have a stick yeah. up your yeah, ass, that's, apparently. That there, says, look, there are plenty of people oh, that great. are your age that were able to understand this I don't and enjoy care. it. I, I'm fine being right and everyone else being wrong, <laughs> this piece of fucking shit. Yeah, dude, I don't know. That's a pretty awful movie. Uh yeah, dude, by the time you're old enough to actually appreciate anything this movie's saying, you're kind of like, yeah, I've seen this told to me better a thousand times by literally every other movie. Let me tell you existence. something. It, it is the movie I, I needed this week. Why? It 100% is. <laughs> it is. Where were I, you emotionally swept? How? How are you, are you possibly emotionally swept up in this that doesn't do anything to get this, you there? I needed this kick Why? in the ass. I needed to be told. What like happened this, to you? I needed to be told, stop worrying so much and just start living. Well, I, t- I needed that. I honestly did. I honestly did. This movie's fucking worthless, man. It's worthless. It's the most forgettable thing. I'm sorry. It's really bad. In uh, the comedy, oh my god! There's a one line that's good, or in one moment, I guess. The next joke is funny. It's great, dude. <laughs> it's a string of Family Guy gags. There's one running gag that's Family Guy esque. The stuff with Twenty Two, right? Where it's she's the like, entire movie. It's not the entire movie. Yes, it is. No, it's not. I was counting them. It's the entire movie. It's just when she talks about who her mentors were, right? No, it keeps going even to the point where they're in the real world, and there's inconsistencies with that. And I'm like, what is this? This is so dumb. Uh, and every point where it's like I'm supposed to like feel for a character, they rush it to the point where it's like I, I never had time to appreciate the fact that you were upset. Slow down, movie. Slow the fuck down. Or to the point where it's like we had to come with a solution. Oh, here's the solution. And they go to it within the span of two minutes. Abby, by the end of this, said something really interesting to me where she was like, was that like 45 minutes long? <laughs> and I laughed hysterically. I'm like, that was an hour or 45 minutes. And she's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. And that's not a good thing that it only felt like a 45-minute a movie when it was an hour of 45. That's horrible pacing, man. I'm sorry. It's bad pacing. And if there's any, like, kernel of a good idea in this movie, which there are a few, 
they don't sink. And I don't, this, I come, come back to this all the time. Great. You had ideas. How do you use those ideas? And this movie pretty much drops the ball at all of them. My ultimate, like, stupid, uh, stupidly obvious Chicago sometimes header for Soul is the funniest thing about Soul is that it doesn't have one. Boom. Empty ass movie, man. And I felt zilch. I'm I'm baffled. By okay, this. You, you liked a bad movie. I'm ba- I am. <laughs> you liked a piece. It's a piece of shit movie. Just get over it. It's a I'm, piece I'm of abso- shit movie. I'm, I don't care if you're I'm baffled. Absolutely, it's one of the worst movies I've seen this year. I am stunned by this take. I I don't understand how you felt about it. Ne- I've never I been more surprised. I don't understand. I thought for sure this is going to no. be your top five. <laughs> I thought, honestly, I thought like, it was I'm con- be I'm confused when people don't put it in their top five. When I see a list that doesn't have it in their top five, I'm I'm. It's not good. That's I'm why it's stunned. not in their top five. It's a bad movie, dude. Wow. You're not going to remember this thing in two years i'm sorry because it doesn't do anything that's not the it, case it doesn't do anything it is a, an emotionally just trite and and forgettable thing i got i got nothing out of this man i was i was having anxiety i was like it felt like watching like something we do on why is this a thing where it's like ugh, scene by scene it just does not work at all uh, yeah, this movie bothered the shit out of me. And the funny thing is, we're going to talk about a movie coming up on my list that is dealing with a story that is tried and true territory. That is, I would also describe as pretty trite itself. But again, it entirely comes down to execution, man. Execution is everything, you know? And if you if you can tell a familiar story and present it in a way that's actually, you know, like sweeping and exciting and sort of like expands your horizon on what a movie can be, that's all I want. And dude, this was a regression. I thought it was one of the wor- lesser Pixar movies I've seen. I was really bad. And Pixar, you you owe us better. I'm 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 a little upset with you guys. <laughs> I'm sorry you didn't get it. Oh, I'm sorry you didn't I'm, get it either. I'm sorry. No, I'm actually sorry. No, no sorry. <laughs> you didn't get it whatsoever. I'm 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 sticking to You're that. You're sorry that I didn't hate something. Yes, this is a bad. You I, wanted me to hate it. Why you, would you want me to hate it? Because you deserve better movies than this. Oh, we goodness. deserve better oh, movies come than off this. It. Come Fucking off Pixar it. owes us more than this. Come off it. No, I got the movie. Trust me. All right. All right. <laughs> Fuck this movie, man. Oh God. Well, this has gone off the rails. <laughs> Um, number four for you. Let me brace myself for impact here. <laughs> number four for me. It, it's Lover's Rock. Okay. Yeah. Good. Which we got over because it's a beautiful movie. Yeah, we talked about it a couple yeah. weeks ago. Um, yeah. I love this movie. Great and subtle and nuanced and hard, hard as hell to describe, unlike anything I've ever seen and carefully considered. Uh, most of the movie is done through dance, and it is about the emotions that uh, start to swell up during these great nights that these characters have. It sort of made me long for a different time that I used to have when I was in school. I don't even fully relate to all the anxieties that these characters are dealing with and how it's a f- sort of a film about, like, like in order to be who you are, you have to find some method of escapism, mm-hmm. which is such a interesting idea at least in the world that these characters live in mm-hmm. and it is so beautifully realized and it and it, and it and it just makes you appreciate culture in a way that you didn't fully understand before um man it's a it's one of the most uh yeah probably the, one of the more beautiful films i've seen this entire year yeah uh if it was a film and not a tv show it would be number one on my oh, list oh yeah i know, I know. It, it is it's the best thing that i've seen this year mm-hmm. um 
And uh, yeah, it, I think we said this a few weeks ago, but some of those shots, I was just wondering how the hell Steve McQueen pulled it off. Yep. How did he capture such an immersive vibe? <laughs> how did he put yeah. the camera smack in the middle of the uh, 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 of the dance floor and uh, and so precisely but with capture person. what are seemingly like improvised moments it's right in a very in spontaneous per- moments very personally too like the camera itself has this interesting onlooker personality yeah and how it shifts from like one perspective to the other whether it's just like the hand of a guy going down a girl or the hands of a girl going up to the guy's neck and just like the the many many intricacies of emotion that are s- sort of swirling around in those rooms uh-huh. both good and bad too right that was the other in- interesting part about it there was a lot of conflict in this movie that you almost blink and you miss it yeah it's yeah, it's amazing. We've talked about it a lot, but there you go. Best episode of Small Axe for sure. And uh, yeah, would have been my number one had I stuck to the rules. Or had I not stuck to the rules. <laughs> uh, okay. Wow. I'm exhausted from all of this. I'm really, I'm tired. Fucking soul pitch. But we're at the top three. Pissed me off. <laughs> and we're at the top three now. <laughs> we're going to get there. Don't worry. An hour 45 into the pod. <laughs> Um, you're still reeling from that, aren't you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little (laughs) caught off guard. I'm a little caught off guard. Um, okay. Number three is really tiny movie that, um, I discovered and, um, I, uh, I alerted you to it and I'm, I'm not sure you responded to it quite as strongly as I did, but I, I gathered that you liked it. Mm -hmm. It's a movie called shit house. Shit house is directed by this guy, Cooper Rafe who is 23 years old. Yeah. He shot this movie as a short initially with two of his buddies in the summer break between, I think it was sophomore year and junior year of college. He's like, let's just make a movie about living in a dorm. It was a little short. He posted it to YouTube. He then tweets the link to Mark Duplass and is like, I bet you won't watch our short film. A couple minutes later, he gets a DM from Mark Duplass. Who's like, let's have lunch. (laughs) And they have lunch, and they get the financing for the movie, and they fill out um, uh, the cast of people that I'm sure you've seen before, but are not necessarily A-listers. Amy Landeker, who is uh, the neighbor from A Serious Man, I think is probably the most recognizable face. You also have this girl, Dylan Jalula, mm-hmm. who uh, is just remarkable in this movie, and I have a massive crush on now, and is uh, a great tweeter. I found her tweets. And they are hilarious. Oh, and uh, I think her most notable role is, I, I think, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. She was on Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. She okay. plays. Some, I've never seen that show, but she plays some role on that. Um, but like a real indie darling over the last couple of years, and uh, she's she's great in it. Follow her on Twitter. Well worth the follows. Um, but this guy Cooper Rafe, first time director, never did anything more than just a, a short film with his friends. And he's given this budget and he's given these stars and he's given this freedom to tell a story about his experience freshman year of college. Um, it's semi-autobiographical. He says that the character is not all him, not all of those anxieties, not all of those meltdowns are true to him as a person. But a lot of that is what he was feeling and it was sort of his opportunity to uh, to play around with the emotions that he was not necessarily honest with himself about freshman year of college. Um. Pretty simple, low-concept kind of story here. Guy moves from Texas to California, has no friends freshman year of college, spends most of his dinners alone, goes to the dining hall, grabs a meal, and leaves. 
has a hard time relating with his doughhead roommate, has a hard time fitting in at parties, uh, not getting a lot of action, um, <laughs> and really missing his mom and his sister. And uh, Sound familiar? A little. <laughs> <laughs> you might say that. I watched this movie. Yeah. I got about halfway through it. Uh-huh. And I messaged Nico. Yeah. And I'm like, Nico, do you only love films that are exclusively about you? Yeah. <laughs> mm. Um, yeah. This is an adorable movie. Yeah. It's adorable. <laughs> it's the best way I can describe it. I'm not impressed by a single technical aspect about it. I think the writing's pretty good, but it wasn't like blowing me away. It mm. meanders a lot, but all, always gets to the point. Yeah. Um, what I, what I took away from it was like, this is a very specific story and I can imagine to the right people, this must be like the most deeply affecting thing ever. Adam. It is. Adam. <laughs> Adam. I was sobbing. <laughs> I was fuck. This movie fucked me up. dude. And like, that's the only reason it's that high on the list. Okay. I agree with you. Like, yeah, I mean, Cooper Rafe does it a decent enough job. It's a real fly on the wall, sort of removed filmmaking style. I think a lot of that is intentional. Like, you know, not a ton of close-ups, not like a, a ton of very intimate moments. It's very objective in how it shoots its characters. Um, and even like that little quirky gag with the 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 the, the bunny, the, or the, the dog, dog which I loved. Yeah, even that is like underplayed, and I, I enjoyed that a lot. So I'm not like head over heels over the filmmaking here, um, but I'm watching this movie and I'm just reliving my freshman year. Uh, and like, I'm seeing so much truth and I'm, you know, I, yep. there's just a lot of that character in me. And I'm sure a lot of people that saw this movie feel the same way mm-hmm. and are a little embarrassed to even admit like how autobiographical this movie is. Um, but I just started kicking myself in the ass over it. Yeah. I'm like, God, you treat women the same way that this guy treats women and it's bad. And it was like, yeah. I, I was looking at myself in the mirror and I'm like, Oh, God, dude, get a fucking grip. Like, we get it. Like, you have a good relationship with your parents, and some women don't, and you don't need to judge women for this. And you don't need to, like, you know, like, uh, have this savior complex every time you meet a girl that's uh, th- that's a little more promiscuous than you. And, like, th- there's a lot of truth and honesty, yeah, and there's yeah. a lot of self-reflection in this. I think a lot of guys will relate to those elements, too. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, like the relationship between uh, these two characters. Uh, I think it's uh, Alex and Maggie are, are the are the two leads here. Um, on the surface, it's a very um, we keep using the word trite, but it's a, it's a very trite story. I, I think this female archetype played by Gil, uh, Dylan Jalula here is uh, a bit of a cliche, like the girl with daddy issues that goes to college and sleeps all her troubles away. Yeah. And, um, you know, on the surface, you think like, oh, God, like this is just such a disrespectful caricature. But the movie's a lot more self-aware than than you initially think. And you uncover more things about her that adds nuance to her character. And you also uncover things about Alex that adds a lot of nuance to that character. Um, and, and, yeah, it just really moved me. It well, moved me to, to my core, dude. The instance she's the instant she said, oh, where he was like, well, what'd you do with the turtle? Oh, I threw him away. And my response was exactly like his. Right. Like, what? Yeah. How could, how could you? Uh-huh. You're, you're a monster. Right. <laughs> I was like, 
like I don't relate to this character at all, but um, that was perfect. Sure, <laughs> that was perfect. Yeah, it makes me kind of. Uh, it's funny, Nico. I was a lot more active than you were in college. Certainly, <laughs> a lot more. <laughs> you don't say. I was the more popular guy in college. <laughs> I had a tough time. Really? I did. I had, really? a tough t- I had a tough time. Wow. My freshman year was wow. tough. High school crushed it. Okay. Okay. And it, normally it's inverse for people, but I had the Kufa rape, rape experience apparently. I don't mind seeing this story though. Cause, cause I, I was, it was sort of echoing perks of being a wallflower for me just a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, but I like, I, I, I remember seeing that and thinking like, well, it'd be interesting to see the story in college you right? Know? because this does exist and I've seen it, but uh, yeah, I'm not sure I've seen it as much in, in, in cinema. It's usually the, the, the high school scene, but this was, yes, a, a, a welcome showing of that idea and it has a very distinct voice and it's nice to see Cooper Rafe uh, doing this. And I'm, yeah, I'm still curious to see what he, he's going to do next. Like I said, I didn't like, I wasn't like head over heels in love with the film, but I enjoyed it a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's right underneath possessor for me. Okay. Yeah. Um, another point that I wanted to make about it the use of technology here yeah. was really artful and well done. And I don't think I've ever seen a movie that incorporates modern technology as seamlessly as this movie does. Well, I was just about to say, it's very natural. It's like you almost like, like you miss it almost because we're so used to talking about it the way that they do. Normally when you see a text bubble on the screen, it immediately takes you out of the movie. Like I don't think any, I, I've seen it a bunch like in that Liam Neeson airplane movie nonstop. <laughs> House of Cards does this. It's now become a trope of 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 uh, a modern filmmaking. The text bubble appears on screen. Uh, I am always so annoyed anytime social media or tele or, or cell phones or you know invade stories that should feel timeless. It it just feels like the movie is is ripped out of of that sort of timeless zone and becomes uh it becomes too timely and it it takes me out of it, it takes me out of the reality of the movie in many ways. But here, the climax of the movie, the emotional sort of like focal point of the movie is a character liking someone's Instagram post. All of them. (laughs) Yeah, that is the climax of the movie. Essentially. And it didn't bother me at all. No. Like, I just bought into it. Like, I bought into the sort of social politics of social media and what that means. Like, the movie did the work for you to understand the language of social media, even if you're not like a social media obsessor and and maybe if you don't do all of your courting or all of your dating on social media you still understand sort of the 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 rules of the jungle Mm -hmm. here you know well yeah i think at this point it's sort of just in uh, i don't know it's sort of become a bigger part of us i think it's become more like integral to our lifestyles and um i'm at the point now because i do kind of agree there was a point in time where i found it a little uh annoying Mm. but I can't really imagine a story like this not dealing with that because that was such a struggle for not just you or, you or I, but like everybody at the time. Yeah. It's actually being dishonest about the, the importance of social media when building a relationship, at yeah. least, you know, for us stupid ass millennials. Sure. You know? Um, yeah, I was, I was blown away by it. I was thinking about it for two weeks, just yeah. two weeks straight. I was just reflecting and, uh, and uh, regretting, but also f- feeling a, great sense of elation and uh, it's just a nico movie sorry it's it's a good movie don't get me it's, I, yeah. i'm not gonna come if i it's it would be a, a um a crime against humanity to treat this movie like shit uh-huh. don't you dare be mean to shit house yeah <laughs> that's all i have to say yeah uh and yeah no I, and i i get it completely there are there are a couple elements of me in cooper's character a few but 
yeah, for the most part, I just responded to the fact that, yeah, this feels like a story that a lot of people have in them that they would like to see put to screen. Yeah, no, there's an incredible amount of honesty to this uh, characterization. Yeah. And yeah, I, I'm not sure many filmmakers would have the courage to go there. And and he really does go there. None of this movie is not cool. You know, I saw an interesting <laughs> review on Letterboxd that was like, with a name like Shithouse, you would expect something a little edgy, a little, uh, you know, towing the line between uh, between risque and lewd. And like you expect a, a pretty raunchy college comedy. Yep. But the movie is not nearly as cool as the title. Nope. You know, like his character is a dweeb and he allows himself to be a dweeb. But I love that character. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's a great character. The scene at the end where he's on the phone with his mom, a lot of truth to that, you know, and, and a lot of truth that very few guys, especially in their early 20s, would have the courage to admit on screen. I hate that trope. I don't want to like call the movie courageous or brave. I reserve that those adjectives for the firefighters of the world. But... <laughs> Like, it really does take a lot of courage to go there. It really does. Um, I get that. Yeah. And I loved it. Dylan Galula, amazing in this movie. Amazing in this movie. Which one's Dylan? She's the, the, oh, the girl. The girl yeah. It's Maggie. Okay. Uh, my Love only like, like major criticism. I had a couple of nitpicky things where the mom saying fuck a couple times. I'm like, mm, no mom. I didn't mind that. Yeah, it, It's a little thing. I don't really come down on it, but I'm like, no mom would swear that much. It's yeah. just not very common. Um, the, uh, the only problem I had with it was the ending. Oh yeah. I, I did want to mention that too. I was a little, I, I'm like, the, inter- I got docked a half a star for this and this alone. I was like, if you're going to be honest about this, right. she wouldn't get back together with you. Man. And ended on the yeah. on the Instagram thing. Was, or even if you want to keep it ambiguous, yeah. you can do that. Yeah. But yeah, I thought the ending was uh, – or, or the, the, the first ending was, was a perfect sort of symbolic gesture um, and like an optimistic cap on the story, although it doesn't explicitly tell you – everything's going to be okay. There was a sense that everything might be okay. Yes. I, and I'm fine with that. And I prefer that. Yeah. Once they explicitly say how it ends at the end, I, I was bothered by it. I a hundred percent agree. That was tacked on and forced and not authentic. Agreed. I do like the line though, where he's like, you want to be my girlfriend? <laughs> what? <laughs> that was great. <laughs> oh, this guy is me. <laughs> it's a it's a good movie, Diego. Very good movie. This guy is me. I, li- I like it a lot. All right, there you go. Don't don't worry. I was not going to come down on shit house. Shit house number three. Number three for you, Mank. Whoa! Didn't see that one coming, did you? Oh goodness! Wow! <laughs> yeah, surprised you did not. I knew that was going to get you. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh. The only reason is because the next two movies, uh, in terms of what we've been talking about, the next two movies are the movies that I needed. Then they're not necessarily even better than Mank. But yes, these are the, 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 uh, the two in one spot uh, are sort of what I was looking for out of uh, uh, 2020 that wow. I almost didn't even quite get with Mank. I wow. did. I did. I mean, all my top fives, I got it. But the, the, the top two especially. The tide has been turning on Mank. Even since we last talked about it. Yeah, I know. We've talked about it a lot, but my God, I, I'm not sure there's like, it's a generally positive movie, I guess. If that. Yeah, that's the thing. It's sort of mixed. Film Twitter has turned. I don't get Has turned hard. <sighs> Boy, I, eh. I Fucking I, snobs, man. I'm shocked <laughs> this is your number three. I, and I, I'm sort of putting together what one of your top two would be. Because actually, you mentioned that it's on your list, so that's interesting that you put it higher. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, I'll just say it makes my number one. I have, I have Meg number one on my list, um, which is perfectly fine. Yeah. And I, I thought that we would line up on it, but yeah, I, I look, I understand some of the criticisms. I understand that the movie is a tad preachy, um, and sometimes overly political and, um, some of the inventions of the script are kind of some unnecessary leaps of faith. I, I've really started to become irritated at the suicide subplot. Yeah, which was not a real thing that happened um, and just completely invented for the movie. I, I don't think you needed that. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I'm a little less keen on that final dinner scene as well. Oh, really? Yeah, I think some of it you can voice. You can voice those anxieties without explicitly saying them. Yeah. And um, yeah, That's I, fair, though. yeah, I, I, I think there are a few annoying nitpicks that become uh more obvious the further you get away from the movie what i don't understand are the criticisms of gary oldman's performance there are criticisms towards his performance i have seen people online be like this movie would have been way funnier if they cast a funny guy in the lead well i what are you talking about that i just don't understand i think he's he's hilarious yeah i was gonna say i don't like that criticism like this is another thing that bothers me talking about criticism is that how do you quantify what's funny yeah like, I don't know. I found him plenty funny. Yeah. That, that shouldn't be a mark on the film if you didn't find him funny. I don't know. Yeah. I don't think he's Peter Sellers, but I like, <laughs> he's, he's, well, he's at least entertaining. Yeah. That's where I like, even the dinner scene where I like, fine. Like, I, I guess I understand some of those criticisms, but it's immensely entertaining. Yeah. At the end of the day, like, just give me something that I can just like, like get it like pumping for and uh-huh. this movie is just that and more. I mean, it's just this, this dense text of a movie and that might be the most a uh, controversial thing about it because I get why people would come down on the film because it maybe is just so much movie mm. uh, and maybe it's a little intimidating for that but it's just I, I don't know I found it to be incredibly rich and rewarding and even the scenes that maybe have shortcomings even those scenes are exciting to watch and it's funny as hell I don't want to hear people say it's not funny yeah it is it is I think Fincher directs the shit out of it yep. as he always does. It's my favorite Fincher movie since social network. I think it's the best Fincher thing I've seen since social network. I include Mindhunter in that. It's, it might be better than Mindhunter. Um, it might be my kind of movie, a, a movie with so much text, with so much content, with so many references that you can explore. This it is rewards the, further reading, which I'd love. Yes. And I, that, that's my favorite thing about it. Like you can watch this movie 20 times and get something new out of it on each subsequent viewing. Mm. But I, you were right, by the way, about people um, being somewhat critical of it because they don't have the context of Citizen Kane. I, this is something that I have seen come up time and time and time again. Sure. It's like, guys, I'm not so familiar with Citizen Kane. This movie didn't resonate with me. Sure. And I understand that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's a very inside baseball movie. And I would not recommend a friend of mine that's not like a big movie person see the movie without having seen Citizen Kane, mm-hmm. or at least just having a tertiary understanding of yeah, yeah, yeah. who William Randolph Hearst is and who Mankiewicz is. And um, yeah, we, we did an hour on this movie already, so I'll uh, I'll leave it at that. But it is my number one. I think more just by default, you know. I just thought like it was the most uh, well executed. Uh, succinct artistic state uh say succinct <laughs> Sus- succinct not succinct succinct artistic statement uh of the year so there you go in a lot of ways yeah it's 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 amongst the best in that way yeah yeah and it was also wildly entertaining at yeah, least for me i don't know i know yeah 
For me. Maybe not for everybody. Whatever. For me. I still believe, like, if it's not being beloved now, give it a couple years. This is, you know, one of the more well-respected Fincher films. Um, okay. Number two for me. Defy Bloods. Mm-hmm. Uh, directed by Spike Lee, second Spike Lee movie on the list behind American Utopia, stars Delroy Lindo, Jonathan Majors, Clark Peters, Norm Lewis, Isaiah Whitlock Jr., and the late great Chadwick Boseman. Um, I think Chadwick's going to win the Oscar this year. Seems like that's where it's going. I, I said this in my review. The narrative could not be more perfect. Right. But at the end of the day, like his performance in Ma Rainey is really really good fine totally i get it I, good go ahead give it to it's fine. I, I don't it's fine. care fine. i'm, I'm yeah. not gonna quibble with that at all it's a hundred percent more than deserved and if you gotta cheat a couple corners in order to get the narrative right fine with me um but uh you know i think i'm gonna remember this performance a little more mine too yeah. This is my favorite, still my favorite performance of the year, aside from maybe Riz Ahmed. It's pretty close, but Delroy Lindo in this was, um, it's, it's, uh, uh, it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. It's a tour de force. <laughs> now, at a certain point, the movie does become like a Delroy Lindo showcase. Um, I, the back half is very Delroy Lindo heavy. And the plot and the the scenery and the production design like all sort of take a back seat to just watching Delroy Lindo and a MAGA hat scream at the camera, breaking the fourth wall. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's uh, it's amazing. I also want to say Chadwick Boseman is in this movie, yep. too. I, I think this is the Chadwick Boseman performance. It's not necessarily the better one, but it is uh, the one that I think means the most to me this year. Mm-hmm. I think that... It, the his death adds a a mythic it quality does, to this movie in both movies though it, it's certainly in both movies yeah. like yeah they both have the subtext to it that wasn't even intended but it was already there like chadwick boseman is playing this guy this this soldier who had perished in the vietnam war from beyond the grave he's already this angelic mythic figure this guardian angel that's guiding our characters through the rest of their lives and becomes a narrator um, and he's frozen in time, much like he's now frozen in time to us, gone too soon and leaving us with only a handful of great performances. And we're left questioning what his career could have been. And this movie sort of questions what uh, Storm and Norman's life could have been. Uh, and it takes on this this really brutal subtext. And I think it's beautiful. I think you watch the movie after knowing that Chadwick Boseman uh, passed away too young and uh, there there's a quality that you can't help but see. Mm-hmm. Have you watched it since? I haven't. I uh, haven't. Because now I am curious to kind of go back and watch it. Because I was like really, really excited for him when I saw this too. Yeah. Wait, had he died? I think he had. Had he died? Okay. Yeah. Let me look. I think it was in June the movie came out. Let me look that up actually. Um, you know what? I think he did. Released yeah. June 12th. Yeah. And I think he what died in like May or something. Maybe. I think you're right. Yeah. Died. Uh, oh no! I nope. No, sorry. No, August twenty eighth. Oh, yeah. We had not known. Okay, okay. There we go. Because I remember like him making like a pretty significant impact on me. Because it was so much better than what I was used to with like Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Even though I think he's whatever in Black Panther. Yeah, he's good in Black Panther. It's another instance though where it's like there's this guy's got some amazing potential, but he's really got to be paired up with people that'll let him showcase that. Yeah. Because Black Panther, I, I or not just Black Panther, but Marvel in general. Like, yeah, it's more the Marvel machine than anything. Yeah, that's that's the issue. You know, I don't want it to you know devour people, but so it was nice for him like. 
I, I don't even know how to talk about this because you say like, if he were going to go out, it's best that he did it. It's like, no, that that's the issue. No, it's like, if, if you're going to go out, go out 95. Yes, exactly. Go out when you're fucking old and you can't walk anymore. No, exactly. And you get to watch your grandchildren grow yeah, up. Yeah. Which is that's why, how you want to go out. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. how everybody wants to go out. And anybody that wants to go, I want to go out a champion. No, you don't fucking go out after you're 30 years washed up and you've been doing B movies for the last, you know, you've been doing like Robert De Niro, fucking grandpa comedies yes you know he what my, my takeaway ultimately was like like it we needed like 50 more great performances by this guy but yes. i suppose at the very 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 least at least he left us with something that he both movies that he more than certainly would have been proud of yeah um yeah. entirely I, I think it's one of spike's best movies of the century yes yes now this is what i do absolutely i think it's yeah. his best movie since 25th hour i would say i mean maybe inside man is up there well since him definitely since inside man yeah yeah um i i just thought it was so vibrant and Mm -hmm. watching these characters just cook is yeah it's great i mean not just delroy linda but all of these supporting actors uh were just given a director's showcase spike is a is an actor's director he lets his actors have a lot of freedom on set and it shows and it pays off uh, love a Vietnam movie, love a buddy movie, love uh, movies about old guys <laughs> dealing with the sins of their past. Oh, God. How are you going to live when you're 80 years old? Oh, Maybe. God. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to be checking on you every day. We'll find out when I get there. <laughs> um, if you're worried about it now, you're 20 years old. You're 20, 25, whatever. Definitely. <laughs> no, I know. I'm older than Cooper Rafe. Imagine that. Yeah, that, that. That was weird. I'm like, really? This fucking twerp? The movie's pretty good, but fuck you, dude. It's awful. <laughs> um, yeah, also, buried treasure movies in yeah. Vietnam always work, and this movie just works. I love the scene in the middle. We talked about this when it came out, but the, the, the minefield mm-hmm. sequence is thrilling. <laughs> it's among the most thrilling sequences Spike has ever done. And I think it's just a real return to form for him. Yes. And, oh, um, God, yeah. and I'm, I'm kind of surprised that the movie was forgotten as quickly as it was. I was too, because I think it was forgotten not long after it came out. And maybe that's just because it's, it's long. It comes back to this a lot, dude. Like long movies that are like this, like long movies on Netflix that people just are easy to turn off. And this is the issue. Like it wouldn't, I don't think it would have been quote unquote as forgotten. It's, I don't, it's not forgotten, but it's maybe not appreciated the, the way that we would hope. Mm-hmm. But when you show it something like this on Netflix, people just don't have as much time for it. And it's very easy for them to walk away. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it needed to be in theaters. I agree. It would have been a great movie to see in theaters and we'll see how it does at the Oscars. I, yeah. I assume it'll be up for a few things, but uh, yeah, Delroy and Lindo especially. Poof! Amazing. Amazing. All right, number two for number you. Two for me. This uh, goes back to what I was saying before. We're talking about um, certain movies where the story is overdone, I would actually say. Um, and there's not even a tremendous amount n- new to offer in terms of like what the film has to say, I suppose. But um, execution was everything. And save this movie and then some it was also the movie i've been looking for pretty much this entire year wolfwalkers okay thought this might pop up wolfwalkers was exactly the movie i was hoping to see more often than not out of 2020 and i never quite got it and boom here it is right at the 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 witching hour <laughs> essentially. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I uh, was kind of floored by this movie. Um, I watched it too. I was not 
as floored by it as you clearly because it's number two on your list and it didn't make my top 10 um i said this in my letterbox review and it sounds like um you kind of disagree with the points that i'm making or at least acknowledge the points but uh don't care but i i've i've seen this story a lot like it's literally how to train your dragon again no 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 no. i wouldn't it's like brother bear meets sure meets um uh like howl's moving castle i guess yeah, in some way, like it's a it's a period piece. I'd a, say in a lot of ways, yeah, it's a period piece about a small village that's like being quote unquote invaded by a beast, mm-hmm. and the little girl goes and befriends the beast, and they learn to coexist. Mm-hmm. And uh, like the father is like a a big tough guy who's like tasked with killing the beast, and yep. so there's some conflict there. And I've seen this story a lot. Um, I I don't have much to add other than that. Other to say that the animation is beautiful. The animation is beautiful, and I and I was uh, I was uh, I was definitely captivated by the story, and I liked it. And it's in my top twenty, but it's not my top ten. But tell I, me why you loved it so much. The animation was funny too. I can say a lot of things about the animation, and everyone has said it before. But I guess my two cents is that it's kind of wonderful because it's imperfect. There are many, yes. many, many instances where you see the lines that haven't been erased. Right. And I was kind of loving that. It just adds a, le- a level of authenticity to animation that I don't even see out of like like a lot of like like CG animated stuff anymore. Well, you can't really. You can't, you can't really no, duplicate that with no, CG. No, but the closest, th- this was giving me uh, Spider-Verse vibes. Okay. Where it's just like the sheer artistry of the story. Not, not and Again, not just the animation, of course, but there was just something about the handling of all the cinematic elements and the laying of the details to every emotional beat, to every character choice, to just the, the idiosyncrasies given to the characters all through animation. Like when Maeve is just like bopping up and down on the, on the branch waiting for um, um, the, the, the Christmas Prince girl. (laughs) (laughs) Big, awesome reveal, by the way. Uh, good for you. <laughs> wheelchair girl. Yeah. The girl from the wheelchair from a Christmas Prince is a, a voice actor in this. And she's really good. Loved it. This came down to the fact that I was looking for something that felt like the, uh, like a thorough cinematic experience, uh, was sort of encapsulated everything I want out of movies and just made me go like, okay, yeah, this is unlike anything I've experienced before, even though and this is the interesting thing is that even though the story is so kind of tried and true, mm. it just felt so unique and refreshing and so artfully done. There is just so much care given to the details again, not just the animation, but the handling of the story and the characters. Yeah. And I was just enraptured by it. I'm like, wow, I'm just kind of like, like glassy eyed looking at this movie. Yeah. I was thoroughly in love with it. And I think that at the end of the day, more than almost any film I've seen this year, this is the one that I came away with the most like clips in my head. Like so, so many moments that I'm just never going to forget for the rest of my life. Uh, yeah, I, look, people on the internet love this. Uh, yeah, I, I echo a lot of your sentiments with the animation. The design of this village and, and the sort of, how would you describe this? But like everything is on just the second dimension, but not on the third dimension. Like uh, It's impressionistic. Yeah, in in some ways, like when the the village is in the foreground, it looks like the characters are standing right in front of it, and it's and it's just like yeah. 
vertically presented to you. Like yeah. everything only exists on the X and Y axis. There's no Z axis. Mm-hmm. When characters walk on the ground, like it's how you used to draw things as a child. You would just draw a line yep. signifying that that's the ground. And all of the characters would stand on top of it as though it was a balance beam. And, you know, there was no like depth to it at all. But it does manage to give you some depth because of like the placement of characters. Yeah. A lot of the time. Like you're right. It's clever stuff. Yeah. It's very clever. And what I came, what I was most impressed by was the filmmaking. Yeah. There's just such a, 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 a clever approach to it in this, like to the way scenes transition to when it changes perspective from like Maeve to like the wolf vision to like, just when it chooses to do like a moving shot. I love the use of split screen in this movie. There's just a lot of like really, really impressionable ideas in this entire film that actually I thought pretty inspiring. And I'm like, wow, I'm going to use that in the future. That never happens with mm. a movie ever. Mm. I'm just like this, the, just the, the, the moves it was pulling off, I just didn't expect out of an animated film ever. And I was just, I'm just like kind of floored by the fact that it had the audacity to, to, to do it most of the time. Mm. I mean, even just the scene where they're going into the wolf den for the first time is just unlike anything I've ever seen. And I, what was the, what's the, I'm trying to think of the, the, like just the, this, there's like a scene in the um, um in, in like the, the kitchen where they're like cleaning <laughs> and, and to, to give you an impression of like, the the size of these characters like the 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 guards that are coming after them um they they do that split screen effect in in threes i'm just like that's such a different but unique approach but it adds a sense of perspective that i never even considered um yeah it surprised the hell out of me so yeah good good stuff i i like the movie i think it's a good movie um i I wouldn't have put it this high i just i wasn't as moved by it on a personal level i guess (laughs) this is the other thing to me like just incredibly moved by it yeah yeah just all all the choices with the story again not new but the way they were executed was uh um i don't know it 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 got me i had never seen a movie animated by cartoon saloon which is the studio behind this they did a movie called the secret of the kells which i hear people love as well as Song of the Sea, The Breadwinner, and now Wolf Walkers. This is their fourth feature. It's part of a trilogy, actually, of like Irish folk tales. And cool. Okay. Um, I got to go back and watch those because I'm, I'm really into what I'm seeing. It's a little Studio Ghibli karaoke, but... Yeah, no, I don't even good. disagree with that. That's not bad. I mean, look, there are worse songs to sing at karaoke. Right? No, <laughs> it, it, it would be worse if it was drunk and falling on its face, but sure. it is not. It's like a good, like, Studio Ghibli would look at you and be like, you know, come over here. We need to have a conversation. Yeah. Uh, okay. That's number two for you. And, uh, I already said my number one was Mank. So here we go. I guess you're about to go off on sound of metal, right? Sound of metal, man. Okay. I, of- I was worried. Wonder woman 1984 might sneak its way in there. You were, you were, you thought I, I, cause I, cause I just love wonder woman. So <laughs> yeah. Much. I thought, you know, you might, I, I do love, you might really woman. respond to the feminist undertones of Gal Gadot is just hideous, man. You know this. I know she's, she's just a foul human being. <laughs> I look at her and I just, I get sick, you know, it's- <laughs> I get it. <laughs> Uh, no, the, the, the movie that, that I was just like, it was the biggest surprise for me. Um, it was sort of an eye opener for my feelings on Riz Ahmed. Um, it, I didn't, it was this kind of story I didn't realize I needed until I got it similar to Wolf Walkers. Um, and it's just, I, I, I'm a sucker for these character studies, man. They're just so interesting to me and they are constantly introducing new ideas and doing them very well and making me think about uh, myself in a different way because I, I in some ways relate to this character, or at least understand his plight. Um, 
And I, I don't know. I just connect, connected to all the moves and to the subtlety and just how beautifully quiet the movie is and how clever it is with its subtleties, but also with how... I, I did love how they volleyed between the deaf moments and the... Very good. You know, where they where they went into his point of view where you couldn't hear anything and then they came out of it. And mm-hmm. like I, I thought like the use of first person point of view and third person point of view was expertly juggled there. Yep. And how it kind of builds and builds in interesting ways, like how the deafness works, how it kind of goes from this very, very quiet and muffled thing that you can make out a couple things people are saying. And then it just kind of gets worse and worse. And you think it's gonna build to like like the like the silence being the worst of it all. But in the end, it's the most beautiful thing of it all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was very struck by that. And man, like, like, and that's not necessarily like, like the, I don't know. It's, it's, I, some people might call that on the nose, but it's a very earned on the nose moment. And I just don't think there was much wrong with this movie, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And I love everyone in it as we've talked about before. And, uh, yeah, sort of like the emotional ride I, I didn't get out of many other films that came out this year, you know. And uh, what's the guy's name? Darius Martyr? Martyr, yeah. Martyr, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, blew me away. Dude, you know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. clearly had been, he had been kicking around in the biz for a while. And yeah. I, I'm not sure if this is his debut feature as a director, but this is certainly the first one where he was given a big cast and a big budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me actually check that real quick. Uh, as I said, he was a writer for The Place Beyond the Pines. He did, a, I guess, an independent movie in 2008 called Loot, which is a documentary. Oh, I'd heard about that. Um, but yeah, this is his first narrative feature, and he crushes it. Yes, he does. Absolutely crushes it. Yeah. I am, yeah, kind of the, these these top two I am I am enamored by. Okay. Yeah, very, very powerful and affecting movies for me personally. But that's what it comes down to. I think like this year, it's like the objective stuff is sort of thrown out the window. Just what's the movie that meant the most to you? Mm-hmm. So. Oh, yeah. And that was definitely the case uh, <laughs> with my list. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I do want to apologize to some movies that I haven't seen. Yep. Um, there's some Oscar bait movies, obviously, that we're going to see eventually and talk about. Like Sonic uh, the Hedgehog. Obviously. Obviously. Paul Greengrass's News of the World, starring Tom Hanks, yeah. is in theaters, uh, but not at home. So I'm, I don't think I'm going to make it to a theater to see that. But do you want to see that? I don't know. We'll see. I guess I, I feel like we're going to have to at some point because that's probably going to be up for best picture. Uh, same with Nomadland. Uh, look, if you let me watch it, I would watch it. <laughs> yeah, but I can't watch it. Like once you give me a chance, I'll see it. I, I did forget to say, by the way, uh, First Cow, when we were talking about First Cow, still like a, it's an interesting documentary at the end of the day. Yeah, definitely. interesting. I, documentary. I'm a fine. I, I, you know, it's well shot, which I don't like, of course, but, <laughs> you know, sure. Um, idiot. <laughs> I also haven't seen Minari yet, which apparently is wonderful. It's the Stephen Yun movie uh, uh, about, I think it's in Korean. It's about a Korean boy growing up in America. Um, and apparently it's wonderful and it's the best foreign movie of the year. And okay. uh, Stephen Yun's amazing in it. I, I haven't seen it yet because, again, I can't watch it yet. Did he direct it? But apparently he's great. Yeah, I, I heard that one was uh, really, really Lee terrible. Isaac Chung is behind that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll have to get around to that at some point. Uh, it's actually not a foreign movie. It's an American production, but it's in a foreign language. I think we covered like a lot, actually, though. I'm sorry, Tenant. The tide is turning on Tenant. Are people loving it now? Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Shut up, people. Dude, the internet just loves fucking zigging when the other people zag. I know. 
I'm telling you. Please don't get on that train, Nico. I won't. Please, please, please. I might. I might. (laughs) Shit. There's a lot of people online that are just like, you know, Inception did way too much explaining. Oh, my God. So here's a movie where Christopher Nolan doesn't do any explaining. (laughs) And I'm like, you know what? That's a compelling point. That's a fair point. I hated it, but I, I understand where they're coming from. Yeah, I would I would also make the argument that uh, Tenet desperately needs explaining in a way that Inception doesn't. I need to watch it again. Yeah. Uh, One Night in Miami also will be an Oscar contender. Again, we'll talk about this as the Oscars uh, come closer. Uh, there's this movie called The Nest, which had Carrie Coon and Jude Law in it. I heard really good things. Uh, wasn't able to get that one in. Same with The Assistant, which is... Uh, something that people raved about earlier in the year haven't seen extraction haven't seen the old guard haven't seen a lot of those action movies that i saw extraction okay and you liked that one a lot yeah i did i did it was fun okay um i'm sorry i i mentioned uh i i did see palm springs as well oh yeah yeah a good movie yeah yeah pretty good yeah it's an interesting execution of that premise definitely uh but other than that i think uh all the movies that could have made my list, I saw. Yes, same with me. I think my Black Sheeps. Let me find them real quick here. Yeah, I wanted to see Kajillionaire. And just for the conversation, I did actually want to see Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I wanted to see that w- movie with Kristen Stewart that came out earlier in the year called Underwater. Yeah, I heard that was bad, but yeah, I fun. Heard it was, yeah, exactly. It's yeah. got Cthulhu in it, and I'm like, right. what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I need to see that. Uh, and then uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music, uh, I didn't see. Let Them All Talk, Birds of Prey, and The Gentleman Out of Curiosity, I guess. But uh, Birds of Prey actually made my honorable mentions. Oh, really? I, I have come around to Birds of Prey. I like that movie a lot. I think okay. it's actually one of the better blockbusters that came out this year. I know right. it's a thin crop of blockbusters, obviously, but uh, that almost made it uh i also wanted to mention yes god yes mm-hmm. which is the movie with natalia dyer um about a, a young girl having her sexual awakening at a bible camp really enjoyed it quite a bit um driveways is a movie with brian dennehy brian dennehy's final on-screen performance super tiny movie but also super sweet ton of heart just so sugary and so good you just want to give that movie a hug by mm. the end of it not a lot of edge to it but uh a fitting final performance for brian dennehy okay. certainly um we mentioned black bear palm springs uh oh and then i i wanted to mention this one almost made the cut i almost swapped it in for sound of metal at the last <laughs> second but I uh, I wanted to put Let Them All Talk on there, oh, yeah. which I don't think is a great movie, but I think it's a really noble experiment, mm-hmm. and it has some great performances in it. Steven Soderbergh makes it for HBO Max with Meryl Streep, Candace Bergen, Diane Weist, and Lucas Hedges, all improvised, just a rough outline for where they want the story to go. Uh, I dug it. I dug it hard, and the further away I've gotten from it, the more I've I've grown to love it. So that's it. All right. I still need to see that, but that's 2020. <sighs> We're done. Cleanse yourself. Mm. On to 2021. Uh, Should old acquaintance be forgot, Adam? Oh, update Dune has just been pushed to 2024. Well, there we go. <laughs> there we go. You're never going to get it. One more time. <laughs> let's read our top 10 lists. I'll go first. Number 10, Sound of Metal. Number nine. The Vast of Night, number eight, David Burns, American Utopia. Number seven, I'm thinking of ending things. Number six, Boy State. Number five, Dick Johnson is dead. Number four, Soul. Number three, Shit House. Number two, Defy Bloods. And number one, 
Mank. Shithouse is the only one you have to rent. All of them available on a streaming service. Cool. If you subscribe to any of those. I think mine, you have to rent a few of these. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I'll, my 11, uh, David Burns, American Utopia, 10, Run, 9, Mangrove, 8, Feels Good Man, 7, Swallow, uh, 6, The Vast of Night, 5, Another Round, 4, Lover's Rock, 3, Mink, and 2, Wolfwalkers, and of course, 1, The Sound of Metal, or Sound of Metal. Wow. Yeah. Weird lists. <laughs> Good job by us. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. We'll be back yeah. next week with more heading into the new year boldly. <laughs> what are we Powerfully. Gonna... Confidently. What the hell are we going to talk about? 2021 is going to be our year. I'll <laughs> tell you, <about> that. <laughs> tell you right year. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be our year. It's going to be the best year. It's going to be great. It's going to be huge. <laughs> um, well, I, I, what are we doing next week? I guess we're on to a, a new year. So, we, so now 2011 is eligible, right? So should we go back to 2011? Your mic is out. It is. Can you jiggle that around a little bit? There you go. Is it back? There it is. Oh, here we go. Great. Um, I guess we can. Yeah. Let's do it. I do at some point during January because it's a shitty year for movies. Uh, do a class of Friday the Thirteenth. Okay, in January. Yeah, that's fitting. I think. Is there a Friday the Thirteenth in January? We should <laughs> see if there's a Friday the Thirteenth coming up. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, there might be. I don't know. And like, do it on. Uh, let's see. Hold on. Release it on that day? Yeah. Because uh, there's like, you know, you, I, knowing you, you need to see a couple movies, so you need a couple August movies. has a Friday the 13th. Oh, okay, well, that's a ways away. Do you want to save it for that? Give me some time. <laughs> Give me some time. Let's let's take it easy with 2011 next week and go from there. How about that? All right, all right. That's fine. Okay. We'll draft that off here. I have to do some research. Okay. That's yeah, it. That's, that's it, it. That was an exhausting one, I think. I love you. Guys, <laughs> happy new year. Oh yeah, happy new year. Take care of yourselves. Um and thanks movies for getting me through what's been a, a very difficult fucking year. You did okay movies. Yeah. You didn't do great, but you did just fine. Thanks. I needed you. Couldn't have done it without you. <laughs> Adam, until next time. Oh god. I don't know. Stay safe. <laughs>